2: Good morning,
3: Wrestling Inc. Wake on up and get it going. Happy Tuesday. It is a news day here this Tuesday. I am your Wrestling Inc. Managing Editor, Nick Housman. Joined as I am here nearly every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley
4: I appreciate it. Listen, I've already been told today that I am not a robot, so this Tuesday Newsday is starting off on the right foot, I do believe, Nick.
3: Yeah, which is weird, though, because our initial pre-show conversation was in binary, and I <laughs> thought you may be a robot, but you're not.
4: Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tend to pretend to be one of the— our slack channel slack bots mm. um you know most of the time but yeah not not today though today i am full of opinions and emo- it's a new era of wrestling we are here nick we have made it through all elites debut show we have made it through last night's raw
3: and um <laughs> feeling good baby feeling good the the slight hesitation we were like yeah we'll get we'll get to that uh <laughs> we got a great show here planned for you today. Of course, uh, this is uh, the Tuesday show's top five top news from the past five days of professional wrestling. And man, oh man, what a five days it's been. Uh, I will real quickly tee up later in the show, uh, in, in lieu of an interview, uh, Wrestling Inc. presented our Hoot Nanny, the Wrestling Inc. Hoot Nanny at StarCast 2. It was myself, Raj Geary, Glenn Rubenstein, Scott Fishman, and Two Face Pod, uh, Paul and Kelsey. We all six were up on stage. We took questions from the audience. Uh, we played the game WWE Studio Pitch, where a couple of us pitched uh, ideas for possible WWE Studios films, and uh, we talked about the state of professional wrestling. Uh, it's great. I got the full audio; it's about an hour long. So after we talk all the news here for the past five days, we're gonna throw it over. You can hear our hoot nanny, and uh, then we'll uh, then we'll wrap up the show. We also got a bunch of audio. I'm gonna be uh, sprinkling through our news segment here at the top of the show from the AEW Double or Nothing media scrum uh and with that let's get to it you brought it up or i should say let's get to it news you can use news that'll leave a bruise you brought it up here at the top of the show michael weissman double or nothing went down this past saturday night uh, i was in the building and i've got a lot of thoughts uh, about the show but you michael you were watching at home how'd the show look feel come off to you
4: I think it came off both very, very, very impressive and a little bit questionable in some some questionable areas. What I mean by that is, I mean, they nailed it as far as set design, as far as camera work. They, there, there weren't many hiccups with the uh, streaming service through Bleacher Report app, which I had not used before, but I was using it through a Chromecast. So all of the big things like that, I felt like they really had on lockdown. The presentation looked Professional in a way that Ring of Honor, if you think back two or three years ago, they struggled with many years to get there with it. AEW nailed those things out the gate. Right. I think the things that I and we talk about we'll talk more about the show and, and kind of all the great matches and all that stuff. So presentation wise felt good, came across very well. They just missed some of the layups, which I thought was very peculiar. The pre-show. I, I know what's going on here, and I could not find the pre-show into the AEW channel on YouTube. Nope, it's not there. I go to their Twitter account. It's, it's what, 610, 615. It's not there. Apparently, it was on the TNT YouTube channel. So they should have shared out a link to that. I thought that was weird. And their presentation had no graphics, which is a simple thing. No hashtag until 1036. Hashtag AEWDON, right? No AEW graphic in the corner. Just some little things like that, I think. Again, nitpicking here. And... Announced team was fine. It was it was fine. It was fine.
3: I heard now I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the show, uh, but I have heard that Jim Ross and Excalibur uh, seemed like they had good chemistry could be good. But I, I did hear that Alex Marvez uh, did not necessarily gel as well. Is that uh, a safe to say?
4: Yeah, he was definitely the weak spot, and I would even say that Excalibur carried that an entire announce team. There are some things that Jim Ross does. This is just me. He still feels a he still feels very old school. And not that that's bad, but some of the references he makes, some of the jokes he makes, just don't feel quite on brand with what AEW is trying to do with being more progressive. It's just trying to call people lads because they're from a different country. Uh, just some references to foreign wrestlers in ways that feel a little bit. Um, Usage of words that feel a little bit, um, not, I don't want to say, not racist, but just mildly um, uncomfortable.
3: Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, Jim Ross, he's got that oaky accent, you know, talking about Japanese wrestlers. That's always been kind of the critique. It's a little, you know... uh uh, jarring. It can be at some time. So I understand that. That's not the first time I've heard that note about Jim Well, when you,
4: when you lean into like you're watching, you know, you know, Mexican wrestlers and you lean into kind of Spanglish to uh, describe them, it just feels a little bit, <laughs> a little bit weird at times describing women by their weight. um, it, it feels a little bit weird at times to me in this new era. So,
3: mm. okay, well, there we go. Uh, so that's nice. just me though. So what, no. what happened? Have it you. <laughs> what you are saying is not anything I have not heard from others punditing out there in the social sphere. So, uh, nice. Thank you for for uh, taking me through that. I will say that being there live, not hearing the commentary, uh, not having to look at all of the production graphics and things like that, I just had a great time. This was a really fun show, top to bottom. And we'll get to the big news right out of the gate here, into the show. John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, officially joins AEW. He attacked Jericho. He attacked the referee. He attacked Kenny Omega. Uh, he gave Kenny Omega the AA off the top of a stack of chips that AEW had built. Uh, Cody confirmed, by the way, in a post-show uh, speech that Kenny Omega legitimately broke his nose. It sounds like he'll be fine. Uh, but John Moxley here is going to make his in-ring debut on June 29th at Fighter Fest. No opponent named yet. And you know, uh, I like I said, I've been saying it for a while here now. I will believe it when I see it. And you know what? I saw it, Michael. I saw it. Hard to deny this man. He's actually he's real. He's there, he's in the AEW space, and it's pretty damn cool.
4: Are you sure it's not just a very, very, very inside work? Like, WWE really took this all the way. They got him to sign a contract just so they can even build up his return to Dean Ambrose even more.
3: <clears throat> yeah, well, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the long con here. Uh, That's right. Uh, yeah, the long Tony con here. Um, I, uh, I would have to think that they were sending him off the way they did with the idea that if the AEW thing doesn't work out, They wanted this guy to leave on good terms in case they can bring him back into the fold. You think that's a safe guess or no?
4: I I think so, but I think it's strange because you have to imagine if Vince McMahon and company had known this is what the result would be, if they could go back to January when this whole thing kicked off, would they have let things play out the same way? And there was somebody brought this up over the weekend in that final interview with The Shield with, with Michael Cole. Dean Ambrose made a lot of references to gambling and all of his chips being on the table and cashing in and all of that plays so differently now after seeing his debut, I almost feel like they did not anticipate this result or else they would not have made him look so strong in exit
3: all right well uh johnny moxley is here right now we're going to cut to some audio from the uh aew double or nothing media scrum uh with tony khan commenting on the status of john moxley in aew video the
4: length of moxley
5: uh so he is a multi-year contract and uh he will be on a full-time deal he's gonna when we go weekly he's gonna be working full-time but same as with some of the other guys, especially when the schedule's light, I'm going to be open about him working on some international and indie dates. But not, he is full-time with us, and uh, domestically, but, you know, but he's essentially our guy. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to do some international indie stuff, but he's definitely an AEW full-time wrestler. Uh,
3: interesting comments there from Tony, noting multi-year contract. Uh, Moxley will be a part of the, the regular AEW TV show, and he's going to be allowed to work international indie dates. And I didn't know exactly what that meant. But it has now been revealed that uh, John Moxley is the knife guy from New Japan Pro Wrestling that they've been teasing for a while now. Time's up, and he is set to face Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States Championship on June 5th. Um, mm, That's a lot. I mean, they got him. He's in. I can't wait to see where this goes. And very interesting, uh, him going up against Juice here for the IWGP U.S. title.
4: It's it's a great way to fill out his schedule. You know, AEW does not have that TV time yet, so putting Moxley across uh, internationally with New Japan Pro Wrestling, I, I love that fit. And it almost feels like if you look at Tony Khan's comments, there he's being very protective while not putting himself into any camp wholeheartedly, right? John Moxley is our guy. He signed a full time contract with us. He will, uh, you know, he will be with us when we are doing weekly shows all the time. However, in the lower times, we're going to allow people to do other stuff. So I, I think all that's worded very intelligently by Khan because he he's not it's not all or nothing and i almost feel like what they're doing here is they're starting to explore this partnership with New Japan pro wrestling mm-hmm. in some small ways, but in ways that could really pay off if they're allowed to start sharing talent a little bit without hurting one another. So I think it's it's a really interesting really interesting comments here by Tony
3: Khan. Very yes, uh, really I mean really interesting that they would put Moxley in this position here. I don't know how you have him not take the title, right? Like I would want to put my IWGP United States Championship on John Moxley right now, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. He's he's the hottest
4: guy in the indies right now if you want to call them the indies.
3: Right. No. I, I, I couldn't I could easily see him taking this title. And the thing, the other side of the coin here, Jericho is going for the IWGP World Heavyweight <laughs> Championship, right? You have two, arguably the two biggest names in AEW, battling for the two biggest singles titles, arguably two biggest singles titles in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, while I know New Japan has gone out of their way to say there's no formal relationship here, I'm with you. I, I, I see this as a feeling out process to see if everybody can play nice and get along. Um, and see w- what may be here for the future. Right, well they,
4: they've tried this with Ring of Honor, and it seemed like there was some stuff going on there, but it never quite played out. I mean, they did the show at Madison Square Garden I think it was a success top to bottom, but maybe not a success from the standpoint of building that sustainable business partnership and so they're dipping their toe in the water. They know they need I, I, I have to believe New Japan Pro Wrestling, their executives, they know they need some kind of American brand to help carry their brand into the States, right? And right now, if it's going to be AEW, if it's going to be Chris Jericho, John Moxley, there's no smarter way to play this. No, there's no formal thing here. But these guys have got to be talking and they've got to be sharing something for these talents to be working with New Japan, especially in these high-profile matches like this.
3: Uh, well, Moxley also cut his first post WWE promo here, uh, saying there is a paradigm shift that is going on. He's saying this: this is a war. I mean, real. I mean, you could not be more directly going at the the big dog here uh, than John Moxley did in this promo, and also an AA to Kitty Omega off a giant stack of poker chips. Uh, really, kind of the icing on the cake for this one, you know?
4: Isn't it great to have John Moxley back, being John Moxley? I mean, Dean Ambrose was really good at times, right? But in the last year or two, they just made his intensity more of a a comedy shtick. Mm -hmm. And it's so awesome to see Moxley was always the promo guy for the shield. We know he can go in the ring, but maybe he's not the quite the athlete that Seth Rollins is or the big guy, the look that that uh, Roman Reigns is, but Moxley was always the mouthpiece. And it's so awesome to see him back in his element, just being himself. I love it. And there's nobody better to say we're going to war with those guys than a guy who was a world champion over there just a year or so ago. Right. It's uh, awesome.
3: Uh, it is. It's, it's, it's quite a time here. Now uh, uh, we're going to play another uh, bit of audio here from the media scrum. Uh, on the note of John Moxley uh, one of the first people I got to talk to backstage afterwards was Sean Spears aka Ty Dillinger so let's get a couple thoughts here uh, from the former Ty Dillinger Sean Spears here on John Moxley debuting for aew see more guys like you and John coming into the company
2: here in the coming months I I, I don't know um, I can't speak for anybody else it was good to see John I uh, haven't seen him in a little while and you can kind of see when he entered that ring he was. He was him you know what I mean like that that's that's the guy that we've all been waiting to see for a few years that's a guy I've been waiting to see for a few years um in terms of anybody else I mean I'm pretty sure there there's going to be a lot of people uh calling a lot of people knocking on the door a lot of people trying to get here um but it, I mean this is they're very keen on building this from the inside out this is a family like Cody wasn't lying when he said that this is this is a family and Coming in here today, everybody treated me like I was one of their own, so I mean, that was awesome. But who knows who's going to show up next.
3: Yeah, and on that note, I just wanted to know, uh, what was the thought process of having you debut on the buy-in and not be a surprise, all of like what we saw with John here
2: tonight? Um, I don't know, that's kind of above my pity grade. (laughs) Okay. I wasn't in those meetings. Um, I I was kind of a last minute, I did, you got to remember, I left 90 days ago. This, this, This show was pretty much pen to paper, months months ago so the card was already pretty much booked um to be honest i don't care where i would have i don't care if it would have been when moxley came out i don't care if it would have been the first match on the actual pay-per-view i wouldn't have cared if i was the first person out in that battle royal it's about being there it's about being a part of history i was just telling the group over there this is not going to happen again in my in-ring career this hasn't happened in 20 plus years it's not going to happen again. This, this history was made tonight. And I hope everybody can take in that concept because I spent half the day telling young talent about that. Because I hope you realize what they just accomplished. Like this is never going to happen again in my time. So to be a part of it tonight, like I don't care in what capacity. I made history. It's cool, dude. It's just surreal,
3: Mike, to like have watch this just play out and then to all of a sudden be right in the face of somebody like Ty Dillinger, who I couldn't even get for an interview as of late anyway, and here he is commenting on you know him, Moxley, jumping from WWE to AEW. I mean, game on, my friend. This is it. I, I like here Sean Spears. He's he's
4: kind of really smart about this. He recognizes the position that he's in, that hey, he's lucky. I think he feels like he was lucky. He deserves to be there, but he's lucky to kind of be taken up by AEW, that they're not taking everybody under the sun, right? but recognizing... What is you know what they're kind of doing for the business and all of this and um yeah Sean Spears is the guy who just was was criminally underused by WWE when he got brought up to the main roster I think he recognizes this was the right spot for him kind of being in the opening of the show John Moxley absolutely deserved to be the main event but it's crazy that we have these former WWE guys out here doing media work for this brand new promotion. It's and, awesome.
3: And you know, we're going to play some more audio here from the media scrums uh, uh, throughout the show as well, but um, it's just nice that they did this, right? It was a little bit uh, clustery, right? But I feel like that's going to happen when you do a format like this. And look, I would rather them send three, four guys into the room. They're all of note. And I'm running around trying to get this, trying to get that. Maybe I missed this over here. I got to post this at the same time. But by the end of this thing, I had talked to everybody except for John Moxley. That was of note from the show And uh, it felt real. It had a real sports environment to it. And I think that – I hope they keep doing these media scrums because I'm with you. Just getting to hear these guys talk so freely about this stuff, uh, it really adds a a more serious tone, I think, to the product.
4: Well, and and, and it gives something – it gives people something to talk about with the product. That's not just what the pre-prescribed message is, right? So I've not – I obviously was not there Saturday night with you guys, but awesome work to you and to all the other media personnel who were there. But I have done the similar thing here with WWE, and the way WWE handles it is so very, very different. Rarely do they do any kind of scrum. No. They do sometimes allow talents to do interviews. Uh, they've done media row at WrestleMania before, days beforehand, but it's very select talents, and it's always a very controlled environment. It almost feels like they're they're using talents to practice their media work, not give media actual access. They want to control their message so much, so it's a smart strategy by AEW. It's it's generating them a lot of goodwill, and deservedly so, because it's it's a really... Neat way to interact with these wrestlers and with the product.
3: Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite stories coming out of the media scrum was I walked into the room, had no idea what to expect. And the first person I saw sitting there was Mark Henry. He was before any of the talent, <laughs> before any of the AEW talent had come in, Mark Henry was just sitting there and I was like, Oh my goodness. I, this is a great opportunity. I guess he was just there as a guest or whatever. And I walked over to him and I said, Mr. Henry, nice to see you again. I met you in New York at the busted open party. He remembered me. We shook hands. And I was like, Hey, you know, I would love to get your take On double or nothing, if you can give me a minute or two here, and he was like, Well, uh, I'm actually kind of here to do the same thing as you. And Mark Henry, uh, full on represented Busted Open Radio in the scrum. And dude, having Mark Henry in a media scrum adds a whole different dynamic to that media scrum (laughs) because, like, I'm all about throwing a couple elbows, edging in to get a better shot or whatever. I think there's a certain uh, amount of tenacity amongst all the reporters but when mark henry puts his arm out there and wants to ask his question you better goddamn believe mark henry's gonna ask his question and uh the it, and also like of course the talent's great to us and, and their reactions are always very genuine and stuff but when mark henry is asking a question i feel like it brings the talent it makes the talent feel more elevated right like they're they take it more seriously They have a respect for it. And I just thought it was very cool having Mark Henry. And just as a side thought, I just thought it was very cool having Mark Henry in the media scrum.
4: Absolutely. Mark Henry is very clearly taking his media obligations to bust it open, but to being a member of the media very seriously, the questions he asked from Saturday night seemed like they were really good questions. And he's a former world champion, so it just brings an air of credibility to not only what he's doing, but even to the media scrums themselves from a former world champion being the one asking the questions. It was awesome.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, um, before we hop off the Moxley stuff completely here, um, I do want to say, you know, I, uh, of course, I've been very skeptical about the Moxley situation, and I think everybody got uh, a fair share of, of mixed signals here, I mean, intentionally, about what was going on. But you'd be shocked how quickly uh, everybody's been ready to talk to me now that the, the cat is out of the bag. Uh, so I do have a couple notes here. Of course, uh, Tony Khan revealing that you know, everything's on the line. Uh, it does sound like Moxley's going to be uh, wrestling in Japan here through June, I think, into July. Um, there will be some other indie dates that he takes. Uh, I think he's announced for new uh, he's going to take on Darby Allen. Uh, there could be some others coming out. I've, I've heard, um, and then it sounds like starting in August into September, that's when he's going to go film his movie. Um, so that'll be the timeline where he takes off, and that of course leads us right into October, where AW will go onto TV. So the summer of mocks here, I think, will go from from June to, Juneish to July, um, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how it plays out here. But I would bet my my gut here, newsworthy wise, says by August this guy is is gone for a while to to go film his movie.
4: That makes sense. And, and it's good that he's going to get all this momentum behind him on the indies before kind of disappearing for a while. And, and I think it's going to be, make people even more pumped to see him when AEW starts their weekly television in the fall.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and lastly here, you know, Moxie was there, but somebody else wasn't. And that was CM Punk. And there had been a lot of talk about uh, the possibility of Punk being at the show. And, uh, you know, Dave Meltzer put out a report recently where uh, he had said that Tony Khan's first pick for AEW was CM Punk. And you know what? I was in the media scrum. I had Tony Khan right there. Literally had Dave Meltzer standing over my shoulder. And I decided to put Tony Khan on the spot about Meltzer's own report. And uh, we're going to play that audio for you right now. Question was about something David actually said that was CM Punk was like the original person you wanted as part of AEW, and what I what I'm wondering is is that true? And no, second- there's no
5: way like one to say like what's a one person wrestling company? There's no one. There's no such thing. Like right. he was on the first roster when I like sketch out a list of like hey like I want to start a wrestling company. Who are all the names you're gonna get? Everybody we got is on that list, and he was also on that list. To be honest with you, but a lot of people were on that list, and most of them are here. To be honest with you, almost I got almost every person I wanted on. this But,
3: show. That, but that's so, the thing is he's not here. Are you I, talking I to Punk I, or I what is going on? I great.
5: Uh, I mean, I, I have a good relationship with Phil. I think he's awesome, and uh, I, you know, he's, he was not here as you as you saw. So uh, I don't want to make that. Th- I don't think that's not the story of the show. And it'd be <laughs> a little insult to like what we've all done to make that the story of the show.
4: But CM Punk brings a whole never another level of credibility to this roster if he's ever able to seal that deal
3: well and, that, and you know it's it, i would be shocked if we don't see punk in AEW. honestly at this point with moxley there i mean he's got so many friends there as it is and um you know it's it's good to keep a couple things back right i mean you had moxley on this show i think if he'd have had punk there too it would have maybe got lost a little bit or taken away from one or the other now you get a chance to be all excited about moxley you know you can enjoy the summer and then uh, you know come o- come october here when they start the tv up CM Punk would be a damn fine surprise to kind of get the ball rolling with the the television product. And I I hope, I don't know anything, but I hope that that would be a scenario that um, we're looking at.
4: Well, you think about the way that when Impact first went, or TNA, went live on Monday nights on a permanent, the first time they went up against WWE. And they had all of these surprises, one right after another, right after another, that one Monday night. It all got lost in the shuffle by the end of the night. And to your point, I think saving Punk, if you're able to get him, would be a great way to go on TV in the fall. And also I think the timeline works out for Punk right now, right? Punk has tried the MMA thing. I don't think he's found the success there that he wanted, just my opinion. And so you got to believe here Punk is a guy that likes to be engaged. He still probably has some level of passion for wrestling. He showed up in a ring just a couple of weeks ago, right? Punk might be willing to do this. And, and yeah, I'm with you. I think you got to see him maybe at some point in AEW with all his friends being over there.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, well, uh, let's shift gears to another uh, big moment uh, coming out of Double or Nothing, uh, the Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes match. Uh, probably my favorite match of the whole night. Uh, a couple notes coming out of that bout. Uh, there was a pre-Double or Nothing weigh-in and press conference as part of StarCast uh cody rhodes took to the stage and immediately said you know what i want to do i want to take some questions Three thousand people stunned not knowing what to do uh me being me i just put my hand in the air and i figured i'd uh figured out later right (laughs) and uh so i wound up getting to ask the second question to cody there and before and i said my name is nick houseman with wrestling inc and then cody had everybody boo me michael I got booed at the way in, co- in press conference.
4: So did he, I, I did not see this live. I just saw the pictures from social media. Did he tell everybody to boo you? Had this play out? Was he like, ah, <laughs> oh, Nick Hosman sucks. Like what, what happened
3: there? I, I, I got a, and you know, I kind of knew that there was a chance I was going to get ragged, but I had the live mic and I, I knew they were looking for fan questions, but I was part of the media. So I handled it like the media would. I said, my name is Nick Hosman. I'm with wrestling Inc. And he goes, oh, this isn't going to work. Everybody boo uh-huh. Nick and everybody booed me. And I said, that's Okay and then I asked him about this uh, you know, this interview I did with his brother where he had talked about how he really questioned some of Cody's comments and if he didn't love him and if there was some legitimate emotional animus heading into their bout. And he, and he gave a really good uh, uh, response to it. And honestly, I thought it helped to, to play it a bit to the weekend here, especially getting to hear Cody's side of it, um, because their match was great. A lot of emotion there. Uh, at the end of the bout, uh, Dustin teased he was going to retire uh, from the ring, he, it looked like he was going to untie his boots, leave him there in the ring uh, before Cody came in and asked uh, to team with his brother here at Fight for the of next month uh, against uh, the Young Bucks. Man, uh, I, I, again, like I don't know how it played on television, but dude, there were a lot of grown men crying at the end of Cody and Dustin at Double or Nothing. There was a lot going on there
4: hugely emotional moment. I mean, it came through great on TV, and part of the reason it came through so great is, I don't know if they played it there in the arena, but the video package that they played right before the match mm-hmm. was amazing. They'd been playing it, I think, over the weekend anyway. Mm-hmm. An amazing video package, great music, great segments, and, and this match, I mean, yes, this was an old-school wrestling match, right? It, it was an... In, I, I said it was an all-timer, not because it's the greatest match of all time, but because of the way they structured it, it is going to be one of the most memorable matches of all time. Uh, from the blood, from just the brutality of it, keep in mind too, Dustin Rhodes he's been up and down the road and, and he's a guy that many would think should be past his prime, but he told the story of this match and this feud with his brother. So well, I argued this match had the best story going into it, into the weekend. Take away Kenny Omega, Chris Jerker, they've been building it for months, right? Right. This match had the best story and it paid off in the best way of the night.
3: Yeah. A hundred percent. And for my money, Cody, you know, uh, you know, you, uh, the bucks are always the one getting the five star bouts and everything like that. For my money, Cody Rhodes has had the best bouts. At All In and Double or Nothing. I think that he's been the best, most on-point performer in all of AEW so far.
4: Well, if you hear him talk about it, it's because Cody Rhodes sees what he does more as a performance art from a storytelling perspective. Whereas I think everybody else does. Cody's focused on the character aspects there, right? You talk about the Young Bucks. They have this dynamic style that is so engaging and so electric. Cody Rhodes doesn't do that quite as much. He focuses on characters, and it pays off in moments and matches like this.
3: Yeah, he's old school, baby. And, you yep. know, that that's the thing is, you know, with as quick as the wrestling has gotten and, you know, people talk about how that style is getting lost, it warms my heart to know that Cody is carrying that uh, into the next generation, that style of wrestling, the, the slower, more emotional, uh, story-based uh, type, type matches. And I'll be very interested to see... What happens when him and Dustin get together to take on the Young Bucks? Because that's really a, a clashing of styles there. I'm sure it'll be great. I just want to see how it all comes together. So anyway, uh, we're cut back here to the media scrum. Uh, at, like we said, after the bout, Cody asking Dustin to uh, tag with him. To me, I didn't know if this uh, was something that had been preplanned or if Cody had decided to surprise his brother here since Dustin did genuinely look like he was ready to, to hang up the boots. So I asked Dustin about it here in the scrum, uh, his near retirement. I got to know, you were went to go take your boots off and, and leave them in the ring there at the end. Were you anticipating on hanging it up tonight or were was, you caught off guard? When... I was, and and he snuck in behind me, and I'm like, jeez, oh, let me get my
2: boots off before you do anything. My like, God, I want to I wanna leave this boot in the ring and say goodbye, you know, proper. But I was pretty tired, and he came in there. and I just I didn't know what to expect,
3: what he was going to do. I was, I was exhausted. He killed the attitude era, But I'm standing here today. Uh, yeah, dude. Just like sitting there <laughs> face to face, <laughs> face to face with a bloody Dustin Rhodes talking to him about nearly retired. I mean, it, it, to me, it kind of felt like, I don't know, like maybe they didn't tell Dustin and they surprised him with the tag match afterwards. I, I don't know it, it, it. You know, the way they've been so coy about everything. And I I felt like there was a chance Cody did genuinely surprise him with that.
4: What I love about this is it could, it could go either way, right? It doesn't matter at this point. No, it doesn't you know, a lot of us are like, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. It felt so genuine. It's one of those times where wrestling is elevated and the storytelling is elevated above what we know about the sport. And I think that's amazing here. And um, Dustin Rhodes, God, he is just, you knew he was great in WWE um, as gold dust in his last run there for however long he's been there now. Um, but he is adding an extra level of credibility to this organization. And I absolutely love it. His comments here just feel so genuine. And and I think all this talk about him coming over here, much like John Moxley before, but but Dustin Rhodes coming over here saying, "Yeah, we're going to war with WWE." Essentially, it's so interesting coming from a legend like him.
3: Yeah, and everybody else, at, uh, an executive, does not want to say the words "war." It's the, it's yeah. the other talents that are like trying to push these buttons. Um, and you know, one of the one of the things uh, Tony Khan said in the scrum that I thought was very interesting. Uh, was somebody asked him about the Cody Rhodes Triple H sledgehammer spot, right? And we can talk about that here for a minute. But Tony Khan said, everybody is trying to get something a little bit different out of this project. And it's everybody's desires kind of pulled together that is making AEW. And, man, that Cody sledgehammer spot uh, where he destroyed Triple H's throne, you know, as much as we say that that John Moxley AA off the, the chips there Was a shot fired? I mean, this wasn't just a shot fired. This was the mother of all bombs dropped on Triple H here right now. We're doing it. I'm going to take you down and knock you off your throne.
4: Yeah, but you know what, Nick? Honestly, I did not like the Sledgehammer segment as much. We talk about the John Moxley comments and the Dustin Road comments. I dig that because it feels very raw, real, and emotional. Having this pre-planned segment where Cody literally takes a Sledgehammer, it's too much to me. It reminds me too much of WWE. Now I'm thinking about WWE constantly before what should be kind of one of the apex matches of your show. And so I get why he felt the need to do it, but also... Hold back a little bit. Just let the storytelling of this match stand on its own and let everybody else tell your story about how you're going to dethrone the king.
3: I, I get it. I, I think for from my end, though, um, this, this group knows what their audience wants so well, right? They are so in tune with their audience, and they know they want to see AEW go at WWE. And sure. without having to cut the promo, I think Cody gave their base exactly what they wanted or, or that moment that they wanted. Uh, here with the sledgehammer spot I,
4: I i think it's fair and i think it's also interesting too that cody kind of backed away and i don't remember for his interview i watched with you or in other other comments here but cody backed away from from that perspective and said well no it's just about us taking down you know i don't remember who asked him directly was this a shot at them and it's, he, he was more generic <laughs> in talking about it afterwards yeah but it was very clearly very clearly a triple h reference with the way that brandy held the sledgehammer and the the, the icons around the throne absolutely
3: uh, well, I uh, would play the audio from the Cody part of the Scrum, and uh, this next bit I'm going to talk about here in a second. But I by the time I had realized Cody was being interviewed, I was interviewing SoCal and censored across the other side of the room. I was kind of towards the back of the Scrum. Uh, so my audio is not, like, the best of this. Um, but, yeah, he did he made those comments. And he also made a comment uh, by uh, Scrum reporter Mark Henry, uh, Mark Henry talking to Cody about the diversity of AEW. And, uh, you know, if that is intentional – and uh, you know Cody talked about speaking with Brandy, and you know how he told Brandy he didn't see color, and then Brandy told Cody, of course, that she that he wouldn't understand her experience. And it was a very touching moment there, especially with a sitting WWE producer talking about the diversity and progressiveness of his opposition. What a moment! Um, this uh, this uh, this exchange here did go a bit viral as uh, none other than popular Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, AOC retweeted Cody Rhodes on Twitter and uh, thanked him for adding to the uh, discourse around this sh- issue at society. 2019 pro wrestling. What a world.
4: And I, I think hats off to Cody Rhodes here in, in the moment. Again, Mark Henry asked the question, so kudos to him. But also hats off to Cody Rhodes for kind of expressing he's, – he's one of the executive VPs of this company and possibly the face of all of AEW. And he, he, he expresses this moment of vulnerability that, you know, all great leaders – uh, whether they're a manager at a company or they, they run a small team, all great leaders should have this level of vulnerability and growth, and Cody expressed all of that about his organization and about diversity, and I, I think it's powerful, and I, I'm so glad to see it get picked up in the, in, in the media sphere like this because it sets the right example, both for what WWE is not doing, and we've talked about all the ways they've been butchering that on recent podcasts, Nick, but also because it says that yes we can still do this and be true to our pro wrestling roots. So it, it just it, it makes me emotional just talking about how powerful this moment really was.
3: It, was it just me or did they not really promote Super Showdown as much on Raw last night? Do You notice that?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've they've backed off with that some. They're showing their video packages, but but you know what, Nick and I I tweeted about this. Yeah, they do the stupidest things though. They they did this electric chair segment, right? And I know it's just a segment and whatever, it's just <laughs> let's it's talk just about whatever.
3: It. Yeah, let's talk about it.
4: But 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 like Again, to me, as somebody who is is very focused on – my wife has done some work in you know criminal justice reform and, and talking about people who have been incarcerated wrongfully. The, the electric chair segment just rubbed me the wrong way coming out of a weekend where somebody like Cody and AEW are very focused on diversity and doing the right things by social justice norms. It, it, the electric chair is very insensitive because we have put people to death via electric chair in very painful ways, people who could have been and some who actually were innocent as Americans. So again, it shows you how different these two companies are treating things right now.
3: Well, and the thing, the line that we've gotten for so long is that oh, people don't care, right? Oh, we could oh, no, you're taking it you're taking it too seriously. Flames don't think like that. No, no, here's the thing. When there's only one product in town, everybody's going to take what they can get. Now that there's another option out there, Again, it's like, oh, I'm with you. The electric chair thing weirded me out. Also, the fact the main event was like setting up the United States title opportunity for Super Showdown. It's like, yeah, there's like a grossness to WWE right now. And I think that they are just opening the door for competition like AEW to come in and fill that void of fans that just straight up are unhappy with the moral compass of WWE right now.
4: Absolutely, and when you have somebody who across the bridge is doing the right things, you've got to be even more in your p's and q's because even if you could have gotten away with just doing okay before, now it's very obvious you're not you're you're doing the wrong things as a result. So I I just can't believe that it doesn't feel like they're taking this. Maybe they didn't promote Super Showdown as much, but it doesn't feel like to me this company is yet taking this as seriously as they should be here in
3: 2019. Man, yeah, Raw last night was a snooze fest, man. Mm. I. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I, I I was expecting something, but they their reaction to the uh, there was no reaction to double or nothing. We just got the Brock box, and uh, I don't know that twenty four seven title man. Doa just dead on arrival. That thing is death talks there there is some listen i i gotta give raw credit here right because
4: the thing i will give it gets overlooked and everything else we want to complain about but there was a couple of good matches sure. i mean
3: cesaro ricochet the, great
4: percent. i mean i would love to see those guys have a series built around a serious feud like who was better than the other very different styles their wwe's not going to do that but they have the potential there right i love the intensity between dolph ziggler and Kofi Kingston. It's telling the right story. It's very passionate, right? It's the kind of things you could see a company like AEW doing. They're just not booking their shows right to spotlight those kinds of things. They're spotlighting stupid talkie segments or Brock Lesnar beatbox dancing and all those kind of things that don't appeal to me as a pro wrestling fan.
3: Yeah. Uh, Well, let's get back here to double or nothing. Uh, Hangman Page won the Casino Battle Royal. He will face Chris Jericho, who defeated Kenny Omega. For the AEW Championship at a a later date. And uh, none other than WWE Hall of Famer, Brett Hitman Hart, was the one to come out and debut this AEW title. Um, Look, there were a lot of... (laughs) This was a little clunky, right? The the Brett Hart AEW title reveal. But all of that out out the window. Brett's a legend. He made everybody in this segment look better. They made Adam Page On uh, Saturday night, that guy could not look like a bigger star. I thought Jimmy Havoc looked good here. I thought MJF looked good here. I thought Jungle Boy looked good here. They did so much on that show to establish some of their younger talent. I just I I, got to give them props to it. I, I thought that all of this came across very well.
4: You think about this show from to the to bottom going into the week, and you're like, okay, of course, Kenny Omega is going to be kind of the face of the company from a babyface standpoint, and uh, whoever will be the heel, right? But coming out of the, the show Saturday night, Hangman Page, obviously things had to change a little bit for him, but he felt like the guy who was going to going to carry that show and carry this company from the Babyface perspective. And I think this feud with him and Chris Jericho is going to be on point. And I like the fact that MJF is coming out here and they're teasing him as being this big heel. Another guy who owned the weekend from Starcast, getting kicked out at every juncture that he could. I think it sets up some really interesting storylines. Without having weekly television, You know, we're going to have to wait to see it play out. But imagine if we did have weekly TV. I would be interested to see what these guys do on Tuesday night.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I, and Chris Jericho coming into that TNT run starting in October, Chris Jericho is your world champion, a great heel world champion. That's good, compelling television. You're going to get some buzz around that. So I thought the right decision was made here. I was happy Kenny uh, put Chris over. But, of course, Kenny Omega knew that he's got a hot feud with John Moxley coming out of this, so I wouldn't mind taking the laws to get out of the world title picture either.
4: Yeah, it, it, there's so many threads set up. Again, it's cl- it's classic wrestling booking. Let's set up all these storylines. Let's give the characters real moments. Let the fans kind of latch on to it. And then we're going to set them all up and do what we want to do with them. So it's 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 just great.
3: Uh, when we did the Hoot Nanny this past weekend, and we're going to play the audio for that here in just a little bit, one of the topics that came up during the Hoot Nanny was who are the female free agents right now that could move the needle, right? We talked so much about Moxley and Punk and – uh, maybe Ziggler would have jumped if he hadn't gotten in the, the main event mix in, in WWE. But who are the women? And I was thinking about it. Of course, you got Sasha Banks out there or whatever. But for whatever reason, I just didn't have Awesome Kong on the mind. But she got brought out there, made the triple threat for the women, a fatal four-way match. Um, and, uh, man, just added a whole lot to that women's division. Uh, I thought that I, I thought between this match and the six women uh, with the Japanese uh, women wrestling, I thought the women looked just uh, like rock rock stars on this show. Well,
4: then they, they did some really cool things, too, right? Awesome Kong, great surprise because she kind of had fallen off the radar, I think, in the popular wrestling sphere in the last few months or year because she's been doing some stuff, but it's not been quite as big. So a great way to draw out that surprise. But also the, you mentioned the women's the six women Japanese match, a, a great way to spotlight some talent who otherwise might not get this platform. And while, you know, maybe some of the general wrestling audience who watches WWE wasn't bought into that. They did pretty good, and I think it sets it up like, okay, I've seen them before, so when I see them again, it's going to solidify who these women are. So they're building their roster. That wasn't the main event match, but they're continuing to build their roster and expand their women's division and using some homegrown talent to do it. I mean, Britt, Britt Baker here, right? She's not at the top of most wrestling fans' list as far as being kind of the premier woman in wrestling, but this match and being in the ring with Awesome Kong sets her up for a lot. In this company,
3: Yeah, Britt Baker, Kylie Rose look great. Those two I could see battling for the AEW Women's Championship comes along. Uh, Nia, uh, Nyla Rose and uh, Awesome Kong having the stare down here, very reminiscent of like Braun Strowman, Big Show kind of staring each other down the two monsters of the division. So you get to spin out of that, you know, again, just setting the table here. It was great. Um, so on that note, though, I did have a chance in the media scrum area to ask one of the women in this bout, the winner of this bout, Britt Baker, uh, about Awesome Kong's debut at Double or Nothing. Uh, Britt, this is a huge night for women's wrestling, especially with Awesome Kong coming back. What was your reaction when you found out you were going to get to work with her and, and share the space in the ring and
1: everything? I mean, I think that's probably one of the last people I expect that I would get to work with, so it's it's amazing to be able to share the ring with her. She's legend, she's had some of the best matches with, you know, Gail Kim and she, all all of the female wrestling impact. Just total legend. So to be able to kick off AEW Women's Wrestling with somebody like that and still come out on top. Yeah, you won. Yeah, amazing. you beat her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Very cool. Man, yeah, there it is. Like even Britt is like in awe of the fact that Awesome Kong is there. And you know, look, Awesome Kong and Tenille, uh Dash. No, not, not, it wasn't Taneele Dashwood. It was uh, oh, what was her name? She went into the, to the stunt work, um, in, in impact wrestling.
4: Who, who are you talking about?
3: Awesome Kong feuded with this woman in TNA five years ago. Uh- um, oh yeah, and she was like um, broke out, and then she went and became a stunt woman, and she got hit in the bat, got hit in the face of the basketball by Will Ferrell in that basketball movie. Ugh, is this is gonna kill me. You don't know. Hashtag
4: Winkley, if you know the answer.
3: Yeah, let me know. But anyway, Awesome Kong has just proven consistently to be able to bring out the best. So just, just cool hearing for Brit about this.
4: Yeah, again, Britt understands the situation. She's in here maybe – being in the ring with Awesome Kong is a big opportunity for her, and you hear that come out in this interview, and I think that's what's cool, right? Britt Baker, like I said earlier, not the biggest name in this match, gets a huge rub from it, but the, the reason this match is an even bigger rub for her is because she's sharing the ring with somebody – I know she's got some baggage, right? But, but somebody who has been across every company and is kind of considered a legend like Awesome Kong.
3: Yes, uh, and uh, uh, let's uh, let's talk about another debut that happened here at Double or Nothing. The Super Smash Brothers uh, debuted. Lights up, lights down. The whole uh, nine yards here. Uh, PW Insider reporting that the Super Smash Brothers will likely have to change their name due to uh, you know Nintendo owning the the name Super Smash Brothers, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, I did not. I I kind of vaguely recognize these guys. I know that they're big uh, over in PWG. I've been re- reading more about them, um, but not really know who they were. I thought this was really cool. I thought them with their army of of masked men felt very different. It was unexpected. And I need a little bit of that surprise, like the the feeling of anything can happen. I, I thought this really brought it to the show. I, I agree.
4: On TV, though, it came across, I think, a little bit weaker because they kind of showed up here, um and, and I guess there'd been some built-in backstory here. The feud they were picking up on is kind of a, a an old indie feud, so that's kind of cool, right? But the announcers are basically acting confused as well. I don't know who these guys are. And then I think it was Excalibur who said, well, I know who they are, but I'm not sure if I can say. And it felt just very tepid. Uh, it came across just kind of odd on TV as somebody who, again, to me, I don't know them as well. I'm kind of like you a little bit out of touch with, with who they were. So, uh, I get why this is with the Nintendo copyright. You can't say the name, but I guess out of this, I want to see more of it now that I know more about it on TV. It didn't quite have the impact that I would have liked.
3: Okay. Yeah. Again, live. I think that people were confused by it too, but now that it's, you know, now that everybody's had a second to, uh, kind of let this settle in. Um, I just, I, 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 I enjoyed it. I'm willing to give this one a chance. Uh, Dean Malenko uh, in the world of AEW moving off the uh, in-ring action here. Dean Malenko is officially signed on as a producer. This was announced just before um, uh, Double or Nothing. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, if you listen to the interview we did last week, kind of like alluded to this, kind of already Mm -hmm. was talking about how Dean Malenko uh, was a part of AEW already. Uh, But with that said, I did get a chance to grab Dean in the scrum room, and I asked him something that I would really wanted to ask somebody just like him who was part of that big Nitro era. Um, Did he think that Double or Nothing felt like a traditional old school nitro episode Thank I, you got, so much. I got to ask, how much of this felt like WCW tonight? Because it had a real aesthetic, I thought, that had that kind of classic Nitro
5: feel. Yeah, I don't know to me if it felt like WCW. It just felt like an old-time wrestling show.
2: Yeah. You
5: know, where you had a little you know, blood, you had a little this, you had a little that. You know, the menu was not just chicken, it was chicken, steak, and seafood. A little bit for everybody out there. You know, and it was a great crowd tonight, an awesome crowd.
6: Really, with the whole show
5: from top to
3: bottom. I think you can understand why I asked the question, Mike. I mean, it did it did have some WCW-esque feel to it, correct?
4: Well, well, absolutely, and, and part of the reason you're asking the question is because the narrative here, Cody Rhodes has talked about wanting to kind of build his shows like he's heard Eric Bischoff talk about, which is I'm pulling some things in from every part of wrestling to give you that smorgasbord, that buffet for all wrestling fans, right? So understand why you asked it, but I love Dean Malenko's response here, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I don't think you're wrong, Nick. I think they definitely are leaning into the Nitro-esque nature of the show. But Dean Malenko knows it's not Nitro that has this kind of ownership of wrestling like this. It's pro wrestling in general. And he says, I don't know if we're doing this. I just know that we're doing an old school wrestling show, right? That's what we're doing. And and I think it refocuses that we're not trying to be Nitro Jr., even though they definitely are leaning into, into the nitro Um, whatever you want to say here, uh, allusions here a little bit. Um, I should say allusions here a little bit with uh, the logo and the spot on TNT and whatever else. They're definitely leaning into that, but they don't want to be pegged as being Nitro 2.
3: Yeah, Uh, it was interesting. I got to spend uh, Double or Nothing. I sat next to Bill Apter, legendary uh, pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter throughout the entire show. And uh, one of the interesting things he said to me was, this doesn't feel like they're reinventing the wheel. This feels very much like Vince's formula, uh, format, but just with a different coat of paint and some other players inserted. Do you think that's an accurate way to, to describe it?
4: When you talk about Cody Rhodes saying, I'm building a smorgasbord of wrestling. It's no different than what Vince McMahon says all the time. We're building, right. our Stephanie McMahon has said in the past, we're building a variety show here. We've got to reach X, Y, and Z people. I think Triple H has said similar comments. You've heard other people in the back say similar comments. It's not just one kind of show. It's a variety show for all different kinds of wrestling fans, right? But I think After is exactly right. They're not doing a different formula. It's the same kind of formula that Eric Bischoff did do back in WCW, but they're approaching it differently with the pieces they put in play. Yeah. Right? They're taking a more serious ownership over wrestling storylines instead of doing audience question segments or instead of doing Brock Boombox segments or <laughs> instead of doing – and I'm not dissing this. I really d- dig it, but instead of doing backstage Bray Wyatt vignettes, right, they're doing a segment with a championship belt and then an old-school wrestling match and then a high-flying three-on-three match. And, and so it's a very different way to build this, but a similar strategy. We're going to take different pieces of wrestling and build an entire show around it.
3: Yeah, uh, and I apologize to everybody out there who heard the ding, ding, ding. Somebody just tried to call my Skype number, and I don't know what that was. So apologies for that. <laughs> blasted your ears out. Um, uh, by the way, also, real quickly, I did some research. Uh, that woman I was talking about the Feud with Awesome Kong, Taryn Terrell. That's who that was. The blonde. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. Taryn Terrell. Um, uh, la- lastly, here in the kind of the AEW realm, SoCal Uncensored reporting that Joey Ryan has turned down an AEW offer, and he's going to reveal his future at bar wrestling this Thursday I was very surprised to hear this. I thought that this was a shoe in that, that Joey would be heading to AEW. Uh, I mean, I know he makes a lot on the indies. You know, maybe he wants to stay there. I, I could see WWE offering him a lot to just, if nothing else, keep him away from w- from from AEW. I mean, what do you think Joey Ryan does here?
4: It's strange. I mean, the rumor out there of him doing some stuff with WWE and potentially being set up for a trainer type role in the future is interesting. I just don't see Joey Ryan as being that kind of corporate guy, especially with what's happening in day across the bridge there. So uh, all I can figure, you know, you've heard Joey Ryan talk about his story so much and how successful he's been on the Indies. Maybe he just values his freedom right now and he's enjoying doing some stuff I- I overseas and whatever else. I don't know. But, yeah, there's the possibility that WWE just offered him the right contract, and that's what we're going to see happen. Who knows? Uh, what do you think? I mean, where do you think he's going to end up, Nick? Uh,
3: you know, I think he'll probably you – know, I could see him maybe going to Japan. You know? I, I think WWE, obviously, you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot of money. It would seem a little weird to me that all of his friends are fleeing that place, and he would go there. You know? Yeah. Uh, right? Um, so I, I don't I – don't, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, you know. And another thing is, he's doing um, it's him versus Billy Gunn at Impact Wrestling's uh, next eye pay per view they're doing on Impact Plus. And uh, I was just very interested; I was intrigued to see Joey Ryan uh, featured as an Impact star. You know, they've they've n- nailed down uh, Jordan Grace, it sounds like, and, and Tessa Blanchard. You know, they've got a nice stable of talent there. I, I could see Joey Ryan being a very big star in Impact Wrestling if they're able to get him.
4: I think so. But, you know, there's just this little tease in me. I I agree with you with all of his friends running away. Why would he go to WWE? But also, Jerry Ryan is the kind of guy that's marched to his own drum for so long. And maybe he's like, you know what? I'm going to sign a two-year contract, maybe three-year contract with WWE, and just go and do it. What's the worst that can happen? If not, I just won't do what they tell me to do, and they'll fire me, right? Like, you can almost see him saying, let me take the money for once.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Wait and see. Thursday will know. Tune in. Um uh Mike and Maria Canellis, uh, pwinsider.com reporting. Mike and Maria Canellis contracts are set to expire in 3 weeks. Um you know, again come come October here, uh Mike and Maria, name value there. I know Maria uh, Mike Canellis, uh, Mike Bennett, uh again uh, real real deep with the with this crew here. Uh, I could see him making the jump. Why not?
4: Yeah, yeah, but again, these guys draw a whole lot for AEW. Um
3: Maria Canellis when she was in New Japan w- uh, was a huge star. And worked well uh, with the the Bullet Club guys, and uh, her she works well with her husband. I, I think that, again, it's like underutilized in WWE, if used correctly, could be a, a, a great addition to, to their ensemble. I
4: think so, but I think it's more of a question of does AEW want them or do they want AEW? I, I could see them going back to Impact, Mike was very successful down there sure. as well, so who knows?
3: Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that Road Dog officially now working full-time in NXT, uh, joining the, the ranks of Moro Ronaldo and others that just didn't dig working on the main roster, it sounds
4: like. <laughs> I love it. It's like our our you know our, our, our shelter children, our, our kids who are treatment children, right? Let's send them down here and give them a place to live, because being up there with Vince McMahon and getting bullied all the time isn't worth it. I, I like this, and I'm glad Road Dog has found himself a niche down here in NXT, because, again, I think the issues on SmackDown— weren't necessarily his fault. Uh,
3: We did touch on it earlier, but yes, Baron Corbin is uh, officially going to face Seth Rollins for the Universal title at Super Showdown. Uh, Brock debuted the Brock box and said he's going to wait to cash in his title because apparently he didn't know how it works. (laughs) He didn't know how the contract works. He's
4: not watched WWE in however many years. Also, he literally got cashed in on Four years ago at WrestleMania, months and months and months afterwards, but he just didn't remember that. So I love how indifferent Brock is to his own company.
3: What happens here? You think Baron Corbin beats down Seth Rollins? You hear the Beast music, Brock Lesnar comes out, cashes in, takes the title in Saudi Arabia?
4: Well, that's the only way you're going to make this show as good as or equal to or greater than (laughs) WrestleMania is with the cash in, I think. So, yeah, Yeah. I think Brock cashes in on next Friday.
3: Yeah, because It'll be that or I feel like the debut episode of SmackDown would be the other spot I could see them having him do it on.
4: Yeah, you absolutely could do that. Big surprise there. But I don't know if it... Yeah.
3: SmackDown on Did he cash
4: in on Kofi at that point, though? Right?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Kofi's still got to go. He hasn't gone to Ghana yet and done that documentary they're talking about him doing, right? Yeah, you could do it this summer. I love... And let me just say this,
4: too. Speaking of Kofi here, I know it's not on our run sheet, but I do think on all the criticisms that we have at WWE, they have really done right by Kofi in this run and much better than I would have expected. I thought Kofi would be a part-time champion, but they have spotlighted him. He opened up for all this week. He's had some meaningful victories, more so maybe even than Seth Rollins. And I just got to give them kudos for doing right by this guy.
3: And lastly here, let's do a quick injury report Uh, for the past five days. WWE has announced that AJ Styles is out with an undisclosed injury. PWInsider.com reporting that he's just banged up in general. Rey Mysterio also revealed on his Instagram that he's dealing with a separated AC joint in his left shoulder. He's going to relinquish the title next week on Raw. And lastly here, uh, The Observer reporting that Johnny Gargano has been out of action recently dealing with a knee injury. He should should be good to go for takeover this weekend against Adam Cole. But his last NXT Live event was on March 8th, and he's recently been working as an NXT producer, um, you know, three in- and all, all WWE injuries here. Okay, and of course, Kenny Omega, he busted his nose at double or nothing. Um, but three, not just three injuries here, like AJ, Ray, Johnny Gargano. These are all bigger names, especially considering their brands.
4: Yep. And it highlights your vulnerabilities as a company when you don't have stars that you can easily slide in there. I mean, NXT does, and they've used that very effectively. But losing AJ Styles is a big loss, I think, for the main roster right now. Well, So so before we get off the air, though, Nick, real quick, I think we touched on it earlier. Can we talk about the Sami Zayn electric chair mention? I know he's, we, we talked about that briefly, oh, we did, but him yeah. mentioning the All Elite Wrestling on the microphone on Raw last night. Can we talk about that for half a second?
3: Sure, sure. I mean, I guess, you know, course, you know we did kind of glaze over it here. We talked a bit about the electric chair. But, yeah, the Observer reporting uh, the line was scripted. Uh, But it did get edited out on YouTube, making you wonder why they did it in the first place. Why do you think they did it, Mike?
4: I have no idea, and I think that's what's so crazy to me, is everything else in the show felt like the exact opposite of a response to Saturday Night, and then they went out of their way to still mention the competition, and if you look at Google Trends, um, there were definitely more searches for AEW after this segment than before, so it's crazy to me they would overplay their hand in this way. It almost felt like they were trying to be dismissive, but when it comes from Sami Zayn and the way he said it, it's just an acknowledgement that competition exists to your broader audience, and I think that's just, I think it was a Fault on their part.
3: Ah, if you're gonna do it, lean
4: in, lean in. I wanted Triple
3: H to beat up like a, a
4: Dean Ambrose mini, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> that... Well, yeah, you should or do something like, oh, you. I bet you should have asked me about AEW. I bet that would have put some butts in the seats, right? Do something like that to to, to hurt your competition, not just mention them, not promote them.
3: <laughs> well, not just. I don't think it's hurt your competition. I think it's give your audience what they want and have fun, right? Like that's that's what made the Monday Night War so great with the competitions. These guys got pushed. To put on a compelling television, and I think by not reacting to it at all and really just kind of throwing this one reference out there, I mean, it doesn't have the same kind of fun feel. It feels like resentment this time around, you know? It does,
4: especially with it being voiced by Sami Zayn, who is the most interesting character in wrestling because he's insulting the wrestling fans who are just pro-WWE, so he's kind of playing into the AEW thing anyway. So it's very meta in a weird way, I guess you could say. So it's strange that you have him mention it whenever fans are already like, I like Sami Zayn because he's out there being the kind of character we want, you know? Good
3: morning! On up. Make some noise here. Welcome to Wrestling Inc. Hoot Nanny. You guys are great. Absolutely wonderful. As you can see behind me right now, we have many of the mili- many familiar faces and voices from the world of Wrestling Inc. We're going to get to everybody here in just a second. I'm uh, Nick Hausman, the managing editor. This is our Hoot Nanny. We're going to give you guys a chance to ask some questions, uh, talk about journalism, talk about the, the top topics of the day, and uh, we're going to give away some prizes here. As well, Does everybody like prizes?
2: She loves them. All
3: right, well, I'm going to hop up on stage with everybody else, and I'll start here with Glenn. If you want to introduce yourself to the crowd. Hey, I'm Glenn Rubenstein.
0: I co-host the Wrestling Inc. podcast Monday and Tuesday nights covering Raw and SmackDown.
7: My name, is, my name is Scott Fishman. I just started contributing to Wrestling Inc., but I also contribute to other sites like TV Insider and Miami
8: Herald, things like that.
2: Lesser sites. Right. <laughs>
8: Garbage. Garbage
3: <clears throat> No comment. Raj. Well, I already said who I am.
8: I am uh, the uh, president of Wrestling Inc. President. <laughs> yeah, got, like, president. Really? President, CEO. I knew he was the executive o- editor, owner, <laughs> yeah, executive founder, vice president.
3: founder, owner. I didn't know president. That's yeah. a new one. There's a hierarchy? <laughs> We've already learned something here today. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the end here. Kelsey, Paul
6: talk carried by Wrestling Inc. And uh, we talk about everything, AEW, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, really anything and everything. We also mix pop culture with wrestling.
9: And uh, I'm Paul, the co-host, and that's, re- that's really all you need to know about me. I'm the, I'm the sidekick, basically.
2: <laughs> Paul, the co-host. Uh, well, that
3: is everybody here today. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk some top news stories of the day. We're going to talk about the state of professional wrestling and I'm gonna walk out and allow you guys to ask some questions here to start us off. But uh, I'll kick it to you first, Raj, since you're the president of Wrestling Inc. Uh, what do you What do you want to What do you think is the top news story of today? What do you think people are talking about in the world of professional this wrestling? Is the,
8: uh, this could be a game changer weekend, right? Yeah, with uh, double or nothing. If, if is this a new WCW? Are we gonna finally see real competition for WWE? Are we gonna finally see a real alter- alternative? Um, I think that's the big thing, and uh, I feel like there's a lot of excitement for the pay-per-view, but I think it's from wrestling fans. I I do think... got to get me on the mic. Hello. There we go. go. Um, I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement from wrestling fans. I don't know how much it's extending out to bring laps fans in. I hope it is. But uh, I think that's where they need to bring in people.
3: Well, one of the questions I have about the launch of AEW, and I'm going to kick this to Kelsey and Paul because I know they are giant Ring of Honor New Japan Pro Wrestling fans, is uh, where do you think that leaves... New Japan and Ring of Honor here, with AEW kind of breaking into the marketplace and becoming the new de facto second company to to WWE.
6: I think New Japan Pro Wrestling is fine. They're really actually excelling, even though their roster did have a huge blow. I mean, if you look at the junior heavyweight division, especially when the Bucks were still in New Japan Pro Wrestling and moved up to the heavyweight division, that was already really thin. Now that the Bucks are completely gone, You know, that's another blow for them. But, again, they're doing really well. If you've been watching this year's Best of Super Juniors Tournament, incredible matches. People are really hyped up about it. They've got some new people. Ring of Honor, on the other hand, I'm one of the biggest proponents of Ring of Honor. I really think that they're wonderful. But people have been very critical of them, and I feel like their attendance isn't doing so well. But if you look at Ring of Honor's history, they have dealt with roster losses in the past, big ones. If you look back at CM Punk, Samoa Joe. Uh, Seth Rollins, uh, tons of people left. Really, the biggest one, Brian Danielson, aka Daniel Bryan. They bounce back time and time again. I think they can do it, but it's going to take a little more time. I love the acquisitions they've ma- made. Bandito, you know, PCO is really huge for them right now. But I'm not seeing the attendance for them. We just went to a show in Chicago. Uh, it was a TV taping show for War of the Worlds, and. It wasn't sold out it, it was a decent crowd but what do you think what do you Paul? mean by
3: decent because I live in Chicago I didn't make that show what was the crowd like I heard rumors it, it was uh, it was shockingly disappointing
9: for oh. me <laughs> um, and that's to piggyback my biggest concern is for Ring of Honor I think New Japan's gonna be fine Ring of Honor uh, look th- I, th- I th- think as she said they've bounced back consistent consistently when they've lost talent I'm worried about them just losing the eyeballs of people watching, period, not the talent so much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Chicago show was sh- shocking because I was really expecting the big Chicago crowd experience. The last
3: time – the last two Ring of Honor shows I've been to at World of Worlds, they had the Bucks and Cody, right? But they were huge. Right. Yeah. They were packed to the right. walls, and they had this big-time feel, you know? Yeah. That's very sad to hear. No, it was, a,
9: it was probably – I may
8: be being generous here with 500 people. Yikes. And
9: uh, it was kind of dead at times. So,
8: So Nick, Scott, Glenn, I'm going to throw this question to you. Do you think AEW has hurt New Japan and Ring of Honor significantly, even though they haven't had a show yet?
7: I mean, de facto, yes. I mean, just because of the roster, you know, just the people that have come over. But... Like you said, I think Ring of Honor right now is in a rebuilding phase, so um, they have a lot of talent right now, and I think collaboration right now in 2019 is very important for wrestling companies in general. I mean, Ring of Honor just announced their show in, I think it's Toronto, where they're banding with New Japan, CMLL, um, and NWA, NWA, another company, so I think if you kind of come together and you see other companies working together, I think that's the way to get to it. But I think it comes down to Sinclair. And, you know, they're going to have that that acquisition with Fox, the local regional network. Right. So we'll see what kind of story that plays in the next couple of months. So I think that could have an impact on their exposure and their platform. But If um, yeah, you're Money Scout, what do you do if you're Ring of Honor? What's
3: the move to get back on the tracks here?
7: I think it comes down to just... You have to have that talent you have to have that something to create a buzz you, i think that's what was hurting impact wrestling was you need somebody or something to create a buzz and you know with the talent out there with aew i think after everything starts with aew it's you know then there's a chance for ring of honor to kind of come in there and because everyone's talking about aew right now so
8: I, I do think that they not being able to announce a suitable opponent for hangman page i who knows what they'll do but not announcing it ahead of time shows you know the limited options. That I don't think Paige is saying he's not going to wrestle, right? He will. You think he wrestles? <laughs> he, I do We saw him. I saw him last night. He was walking far. I
2: don't know, <laughs> so, man. Kill back
8: the curtain
3: there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he put that. He put that video out where he's like, I don't think I'm going to wrestle, right? He did it as part of the last uh, uh, what is it, Road to Road to Double or Nothing, right? Right. He's like, I don't think I'm going to do this. I think he's number twenty-one. You think he's twenty-one? I think so. I don't know. What do you guys think? You think he's twenty-one?
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 Uh I'll go to yeah, Glenn, jump in here.
0: No, I mean it's it's absolutely clear if you look at the ITV uh build up to Double or Nothing video they posted, Hangman Page is going to be a face of the company. It would be incredibly silly for them to not use this opportunity for Double or Nothing to help launch him uh and make him one of the top faces in the company. Um I think that uh you know, with the Ring of Honor, it's interesting. I mean, they kind of stepped on their own foot, right, with the Madison Square Garden Show. They did that end zone cast angle and then backed off of it immediately. <laughs> uh, it's like, for better or worse, I think they should have owned that and written it out because they're maybe at that point where uh, you know they have to throw some stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, But that being said, I think right now is the best time ever for new talent because Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan, uh, Impact, everyone that's not the WWE or AEW with deep pockets is going to have opportunities to invest in new talent, and that's what this industry always, always needs to uh, keep it moving forward. But yeah. Uh, yeah, right, go
6: ahead, yeah. I'm just, I, I totally agree with Glenn about the talent. It's a great time to be a talent. You could re- literally go anywhere, so many options. It's also a great time to be a fan because options don't hurt fans either. It just gives you more to watch. But uh, in terms of Ring of Honor, I'm not worried about their talent because they've really... You know, gotten some great people as additions to the roster. I'm more worried about, like uh, Glenn alluded to, the fan reception with the Enzo and casting. People were angry. They're like, I- I've seen hardcore Ring of Honor people tweet out, "I would, I would stop watching Ring of Honor if they worked yeah. with Enzo and Cass. Th-
3: that's them. the th- I heard, I've with heard the a reception. lot of. The, I've heard a lot of the same. And that's the thing is, I wouldn't own it. I would have never bought it. I would have not included <laughs> them in that show at all. I mean, it, it was pretty obvious from the get go that the people involved in that match. Did not know what was going on. I'm watching Yano run up the entrance <laughs> ramp, right, with the IWGP right. tag titles. Right, and, so, and we were so distracted
9: watching it. You didn't even know about the Yano thing until we went back and watched yeah. it on TV. We didn't even know it had happened. And really? Part, oh, no. Oh, Tom didn't no even idea. know. He didn't no even idea. know he was supposed to look but, at yeah, Yano. If you watch it on TV, shoes like... the red shoes is pointing at Yano like you're supposed to be paying attention to him. No, Tiger at, at Tory. I'm sorry, <laughs> tiger. it was Tiger. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't but, remember the right Yeah, name. so it was such a distraction no, no, I don't think many people in the arena even saw Yano. No, I, d- there I all didn't even else.
6: know he was there. <laughs>
9: I was in the
3: press booth, so I did, but the press booth was right over right. the stage. Oh, right. right, the entrance ramp. Right. Right. So like, I'm sitting here, and I'm watching, because like, the fight looks like dots to me, mm-hmm. but I see Yano holding the tag titles, <laughs> and immediately I knew we're watching two storylines go on top of each other right now, right. and that's a confusing clusterfuck. Can I <laughs> yes. curse here? Can we make this a hootenanny? Uh <laughs> I mean,
0: on one hand, what... Interest, uh, interesting live theater to have, right? I mean, it's an immersive experience. Yeah. You're seeing different things. That's the only on thing people are talking about. I mean, yeah, so, oh, no, to, to yeah,
7: piggyback off what Glenn said, I mean, you have to take chances right now. I mean, yeah, that's going to, you know, their, their identity is professional wrestling, and when the bell rings, a lot of their talent can get the job done, but they're trying to bring in new talent, like the allure. They're trying to, to kind of extend into doing more storytelling because that's well, not what their strong suit has been. So I think it's a growing period right now. It doesn't have to happen this year, but it might
3: take some time for this to kind of. Well, I think Matt. I think Matt Taven's ROH World Title would have been a bigger story. I think it would have shined brighter if it had not been overshadowed by the Enzo Cast stuff. I think that in general, that entire Madison Square Garden event would have been looked back on very positively. Mm -hmm. You know, because like right after the Enzo Cast stuff. It was Zack Sabre Jr. versus... Tanahashi. Tanaha, right, thank you. Yes. And that match was completely forgotten about, right?
6: I didn't pay attention Com- yeah, to it. completely. I was <laughs> tweeting about <the> Enzo <laughs> and casting the entire time. Yep. I was we, so distracted.
9: We joked about that that I didn't even remember seeing that match because all we were doing was paying attention to Twitter and what people were saying about the Enzo cast. And we love Zack
6: Sabre Jr. <laughs> yeah. and Tanahashi, so it's not like we didn't love the people in the match. But, again, it's funny. You mentioned Allure. A lot of people are saying that they they hate Allure. They, they hate their inclusion. They don't like that. A lot of, like, hardcore Ring of Honor people. So I think it's the perception and also kind of going into that as well, uh, Ring of Honor had some strange announcements. They announced Jeff Cobb uh, challenging Osprey and this was when Osprey was still involved in the New Japan Cup tournament. And so it kind of uh, it kind of hurt the believability that Osprey had the chance to win when Ring of Honor was like, Jeff Cobb and Osprey are going to go head-to-head at she won Supercard <laughs> when the winner of New Japan Cup was supposed to have a match... Against Okada at that,
9: mm-hmm. Yep, and and you mentioned Taven being overshadowed. That Jeff Cobb Osprey match was fantastic. Nobody's talking about
2: Nobody. that. Nobody, you
8: know. I mean, we we, we are in, in an interesting period right now where you got a lot of people loving the quality of the matches, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But is that mainstream? Is that going to bring in new fans, or are you catering to a small group of fans? And I, I feel like that's what if we if we need another boom. If with AEW or whoever, you need to bring in larger-than-life characters in the storylines. Yeah. Wrestling has been missing that for a while, and that's why you see Seth Rollins is not that... He's a great wrestler, right. but he doesn't move numbers. Uh, AJ Styles doesn't move numbers. They need to focus on the characters and get them to that next level and protect them. because that's Not a... have them lose every other week right. and and yeah. and, and, the, them.
9: and the stupid best of threes that WWE yeah. loves to do on everything. Yeah. I think... That's a good point and that, you know, and that's something that WWE is kind of walking the fine line because I think they want to develop characters, but the hardcore wrestling fan wants wrestling right. yes.
8: more. So, you know, so that's they'll why they'll we're drawn Roman to Rains, Yeah. Even though the guys they're cheering don't move numbers.
9: Right, right. Yeah. You know, Roman Reigns sells t-shirts for good or bad, you yeah. know. And he, and he moves the needle and so that's, you know, the hardcore wrestling fan is going away from WWE because they want to see wrestling and not a bunch of shtick. Right. Whereas, but is that enough to push the ratings if you just have good wrestling? Because when WWE has let the talent, they have great talent, wrestle? Some of these matches are great. I mean, Tuesday night, that Andrade Ali match was fantastic.
8: Awesome. awesome Yeah, it was. But when they were coming up, when they were getting very popular, when Steve Austin was on the rise. You you can't name his matches, it wasn't his matches, when the Hulk Hogan was on the rise, when The Rock. It's not the matches. Mm -hmm. That is a uh, dressing. That is, when you have a great storyline with great characters, and then the match delivers, that is money, that that makes wrestling the best thing in the world, I think. So I'll throw it to Scott.
3: (laughs) Wake up, Scott. Scott, what, for your money, is a good story right now you think would hook wrestling fans and get them back in? You know, pick Ring of Honor or WWE. What's the storyline you're looking to see right now? Hmm. Right on the spot here. <laughs> Come on, buddy. We're having a fucking hoot manny. Um
7: I mean, just, I would think it just comes down to blurring the lines of reality and bringing something storyline-wise that people can gravitate towards, so you're accommodating not only the fan of, that likes the behind-the-scenes stuff but also bringing in people that are have no idea what's going on. So that was the thing with the attitude, area, era, attitude era is just bringing in a little of both and having that balance. So, I mean, right now I can't, you know, think of, like, the storylines that they're doing with... Um, I'm trying to think of some names.
3: that. Oh, the, two, th- th- the 24-7 championship oh, I, mean, I think <laughs> is the hottest storyline in professional <laughs> oh, wrestling
0: right now. Actually saying
3: I, like, yeah. I, like the,
7: I feel like what happened was b- with Becky Lynch and, and Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, Like that was creating compelling television, I think, for those yeah. couple weeks because they were blurring the lines with social media and using the platforms. That besides outside of uh, what was going on with television, so I think I think that was a bit a perfect example. Of I, I think you're that. right.
3: Becky and Charlotte was great. Glenn, I saw you popped up when I brought up the twenty four seven championship, want to <laughs> talk about it? Well, I mean, it's it's TV, right? It's
0: comedy. It's something for them to do on the air. But and it's weird that that's this week. I mean, right? That's a story with our truth. Look what he's doing on social media. Um, look at what in the build up to WrestleMania, Becky and Ronda on social media was better than anything we saw on TV to build that feud. Um, But I think they need something, right? And we were talking about like storylines we like to see or what they could do. I mean, Raj, we talked about this on the podcast. It's like, why not take someone like Sami Zayn, who's doing these soapbox promos, and you know what? Why doesn't he take uh, something from uh, the the sentiment that's out there because of that John Oliver piece and say, start talking about his grievances not only with the fans, but the company, and it's toxic, and he has essentially to fight his way to get released from his contract. Let's bring in that backstage drama that's been in the press, and let's make a storyline, and then if he wins... decides to stay, form a faction, and we've got some real stakes there. We've got no general managers right now. We've got the McMahons doing this weird sort of oversight inserting themselves in the storylines, uh, if you can even call them that. I mean, I just don't feel like I'm tuning in to watch TV the way I am anything else on a weekly basis. The wrestling is the best it's ever been. It's incredibly consistent. It's very good, and the WWE is great at creating moments, but the downside is you can see those moments on social media. You can just pay attention to Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, watch the pay-per-views. There's no reason to tune in to WWE on a weekly basis unless you really want to watch those matches in its, in its entirety.
8: And I, I, I got a question for all you. I'll start with you, Nick. Okay. Um, what was the last time a storyline got you into a match? Not, the, not like AJ and Seth, you know it's going to be a great match. What was the last time a storyline were like, I need to see this. I, I got to go back to what Scott said about Becky and Charlotte. Like, you
3: know, there was that whole period last year where Charlotte was bending over backwards to, to make Becky Lynch a star. She lost, like, three pay-per-views in a row. Yep. And by the time they got to that last woman standing match between Becky and Charlotte, I was genuinely on the hook because it was like, are they going to let Becky Lynch become a huge star or for some dumb reason are they going to stop this? And and I'm very glad that they decided to go forward with Becky But isn't that kind of like a story for you all out there? Like, wondering, is WWE going to fuck up the career of my favorite superstar? (laughs) Isn't that the story that you're all really tuning in for every week in WWE right now? Isn't that messed up?
8: That is, that has been the... uh, the
3: <laughs> yes, it's the, the, it's the struggle of, will they fuck up the well, war? Look at where
8: EC3 is. The right
3: Viking now. experience, I, people. I think,
7: I think what they're doing is they're overthinking things. And when it's, you see the simplicity of NXT and you see, you know, all the storylines and it comes down to, you know, it's this guy has a beef with this guy and then you have a match. You don't have to have all this over the top stuff in the way. People, you know, fans will get lost in that. You know, Just I, like that was what's the problem with the championship, the 24-7 championship is they're not, I don't even know if they understand the rules to it a lot of times. Just. Like the wild
0: card rule. This
3: this was a USA Network suggestion. You think they care? You think they're like, yes, this is something we're going to rally behind, you know? I mean, again. Let's dim the lights for the
8: third hour. (laughs) You
3: know, I go back to Kelsey and and Paul. You guys are just so in tune, I feel like, with what hardcore wrestling fans are looking for right now. What is it? How do you feel when you see something like the 24 7 championship being used as like, this is a fix it? This is going to make it better.
6: I uh, Whenever I watch WWE, it's not my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. She's not the WWE. Guy. I'm yeah. not the WWE <laughs> go-to kinda, person. Kind of have to
9: force her into it. Yeah, I do. I have to be
6: forced to watch it sometimes, and because we talk about it for the podcast. Uh, when they do great stuff, I give them props, but the, the idea of the 24-7 title isn't that bad. I, I It's kind of reminiscent of the hardcore you know, title, but... And it could have been cool, but just making it a joke already right off the bat where it's all fun and silly. I mean, there was funny stuff with the hardcore title back in the day, but, you know, it could be serious too. So I, I don't like it. I don't like it, and I don't really like any of the stories going. Uh, I mean, the last story I really liked was, again, I'm going outside of WWE. <laughs> I guess that's typical me, but um, Briscoes and, and God. I and love the animosity, the real a really natural feeling promos between the two of them on social media loved it like a really old school feel to it another old school feeling type of story Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes back at all in oh, great you know, great in choice. September one of the greatest builds of a match I mean the electricity in the room at all in that had a realness to it a very old school feel so simple to execute but WWE never goes that direction you know
8: yeah. I, when I'm thinking of WWE I'm going back to Jericho and Shawn Michaels that's how yeah. far <laughs> back we're going like yeah. as far as like a compelling festival this <laughs> no, no. You know, uh, you know what? Uh, Jericho and Kevin Owens. I they, were good. No, they, they were, were good. They were good. I see Scott clamoring yeah, well, here.
7: I think, well, you you talk about the Nick Aldis build with Cody, and I think one of the strong points of that was they showed you what, you know, they gave these features, these feature where they were interviewing them, they were giving the backstory, you were getting to know them beyond the ring, and WWE has been doing that on the WWE Network with their 24, with their Chronicle, like the Ali one that just happened, um, you're getting to know these guys, and I think... They need to be doing that more on the network. I mean, outside the network, on their TV shows like right. SmackDown, Raw, like even on NXT, they had these like little features where you're introducing a characters. And I think yeah. they should be going back to that because yeah. all of them have such compelling stories. Like eventually, when Lacey Evans, I mean, she has an amazing story about you know how her parents <laughs> and, and her upbringing and everything like that. They can really tell me bring about up. it. What's <laughs> her story, Scott? <laughs> Well, you know, with her, her both her parents were you know, dealt with substance abuse. She lost her mom. Her mom deserted her family at a very young age. And her dad was battling alcoholism and substance abuse, and he died, what, months before her actual WWE tryout. What? And then she became a Marine for five years, and she owns companies, and she bought houses for family
8: members. So, and on TV, she's a sassy Southern belle. So <laughs> bringing this
7: out, I mean, it's just, I think that's that's could something that they can do. These little things that can make all but the but difference. kind of steps on, oh, sorry, go ahead, yeah. But it would
6: be inconsistent, though, with how they're portraying her on TV, how they're writing for her. Right. Like, so her real-life persona, whereas the Cody Rhodes, and Nick Aldis thing, the real life behind the scenes thing that was consistent with the character that they were portraying in their match. Like, you know, as their personas, essentially, their gimmicks, kind of matched what they were doing behind the scenes, too. I, it just had a believability that I think WWE lacks sometimes, even though they try to go that direction, like you said. with the, I like the behind the scenes stuff a lot. I think it adds a lot to it. And I, Lacey's is really interesting. I just, with her being booked like the Southern Belle kind of thing, it, I don't think it would help people connect with her more, her character more.
3: Yeah, it's like, you know, Lars Sullivan obviously got trouble recently. Is he going to start doing Boys and Girls Clubs appearances? It's like, is that the look you want <laughs> for mean, your big monster? Yeah, it's not part not of not the
4: art. Case.
7: Actually, one one other storyline that actually comes to mind is Daniel Bryan and that road to WrestleMania. And
8: that was Axe. It,
7: right. It's something that happened organically. Right. right. So that, I think that goes back to them kind of... they. Each, probably need to go back and, like, I know they don't want to listen to the audience all the time, but they got to get a feel and, and hear the crowd, get a sense of who who is really resonating with the fans and what's resonating, what they're actually looking for. Um, with Brian, it was such a simple storyline. It was just somewhat an underdog story we can all relate to. Same with Kofi Kingston. So, just... Providing these stories that aren't oversaturated and just stay the course, be consistent, and I think that would make all the difference too. Glenn politely raised his hand, so we're gonna (laughs) let Glenn talk. To your
0: point, point, I think they did that at Mania with Kofi. I think they Mm -hmm. did that with Becky, um, even to a lesser degree with Seth. And then the ratings went further down in the six weeks following. So Brock Lesnar won Money in the Bank. (laughs) You know? Yeah, but I
7: mean, wait those couple. Like you can't just let you can't press the panic switch every time something's not working. You got to see how things play out. It's
0: very reactionary. But, I
8: mean, I they haven't done much since. Like, they did a great job building Kofi, but since then, he's throwing pancakes. You know, well, that's, that's not, okay. He
3: got overthrown pancakes. pancakes. But, you know, as a
8: mid-carder, as a, you know, as a headliner, like a guy you want to pay money to watch. You know, I, to, to pay for.
3: It. I would. I will say this: I did not want to see him throwing pancakes to start off the SmackDown after Kevin Owens laid him out. <laughs> that seemed.
8: Fucking stupid to me. I'm just gonna curse
3: a lot more because I see you pop every time I do it. So I I felt like he should have came out
8: in like street clothes and pissed off and you know like yes, yes, like you get attacked. You're not throwing pancakes, you know, like that. You should be. uh, I feel like the organic uh, storylines have been missing. And like back in the day with NWO and Scott Hall showed up. You know, in, in his street clothes, and and you didn't know what was going to happen. It felt very real, and I felt I feel like everything right now feels overproduced.
5: So, Kelsey, you you you
3: spoke a little bit ago about how you don't watch WWE really. Not your I fav- do. But not I don't,
6: I don't want to, but <laughs> not, I do. Not your favorite.
3: Not your favorite. If they had done the Young Bucks Cody Elite Invasion. Do you think it would have worked? Would it have hooked you? Do you think they would, I would have, have been bungled so it? Sad. She, she, talk to me she, about a hypothetical AEW invasion. Of I AEW. talked about she's how I the would wrong cry. person
9: to ask about that because she would have been so upset about I,
6: it. Because <laughs> the creative freedom is not there. Creative freedom to me is so important. I, I'm really excited about this AEW thing, and even when they were in Ring of Honor, I love that too because Ring of Honor let Bucks be who they are. Uh, and that's how they thrive. That's how they got to this point to be able to launch this company is being themselves, going out and being creative, having that freedom to do being the elite. All that stuff really like tied into that. If they would have done an invasion angle in WWE, it would have started off really cool, but eventually it would have been constricted and constricted. The Bucks, they're a very certain type of you know, persona, character. Even more so, people talk all the time about what if Kenny Omega would have showed up in WWE? <laughs> and they compare it to AJ Styles. To me, it's completely different. AJ Styles went to WWE and thrived, succeeded. He had a character that I think could be turned into, like, a PG, like, really root-for-you babyface. And he can work the other way, too. But he's really, he can be PG, is my point. Whereas Kenny Omega, I feel like the cursing in his promos, the, uh... The, just the gruffness and the realness of him wouldn't have worked in WWE someone telling him what to say he's a great promo, he, he doesn't need anyone to tell him what, what to say his promo style is so real to do an invasion angle and have Kenny Omega it would have been cool because of the match opportunities but I feel like the stories would have suffered a little it wouldn't have been as strong as them doing it on them, their own
7: just to play devil's advocate here I'm, well, when you look at WWE you look at all the hours of programming that they have to do each year and, you know, the other promotions don't have that. Right. So that also can play into an oversaturation of WWE and them being forced to kind of produce content, hours and hours of content. And you hear all these horror stories of the creative team and everything that they're yeah. going through, you know, making changes on the fly every, every show. So keeping that into account um, and also catering to a... They have to cater to a bigger audience. They have their shareholders. They have families. They have, you know, the, the kids and, you know, so... When you look at where you're saying with yeah. all the AEW and everything, they're, they're kind of I wouldn't say a, you know almost like a niche market that yeah. they're appealing towards. So I think that's another difference that we probably should be a little bit keeping. Oh, into I definitely as well. agree with
6: you. I see your points, and that's totally valid. All of that, and I'm not saying no one can like WWE. I'm just saying like I'm glad that they're doing their own thing and being creative.
8: Let me ask you this: an hour of WWE right now, Raw, is probably with the new TV deal, seventy million. Mm-hmm. It's two hundred ten. Uh, so one hour of Raw, is seventy million. If you cut that 70 million out and you did a two hour show, how much would that help the product? Would, how much would that help merge? How much would that help the popularity? I, I, I'm, would I'm, it one not, the, I'm one of those people that I don't seven. think the
3: three hours thing is a problem. I, I mean, I think it's a lot of time to fill, but I think that you can slow it down and you can do compelling stories within each of those hours or even across those three hours. But what we're missing a lot of the time now is storylines that arc over the entire show. Right. right, you see one thing that kind of starts and maybe doesn't get paid off early, or it doesn't go through the end of the show. You know, back in the day, Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up at the top of the show. He's got a ball bat. He lays out everybody in the back. What's this madman going to do? Stick around. Vince McMahon's going to con- make a, a statement at the end of the show. Right,
8: you're on the hook. Right, a, they're not doing any of that. A perfect example is Money in the Bank. Right, yeah. they did not be like you. These guys are going to wrestle to see who's going to be in the Money in the Bank match. They're like, these guys are in the Money in the Bank match, and they're going to be in a tag match that means nothing. Right. And so why do you care about what you're watching then? You know, you know who's going to be in the match, and, and there's no stakes. There's well, no stakes in most of the stuff you're watching right
9: and now. And the other part of the three-hour discussion is three hours could work if they use their whole roster. That's the yeah. problem. It's the same people. You watch yeah. Raw, and something happens in the first segment. What do they do? At the beginning of the second segment, they rehash what, or they replay what happened in the first segment. I know not everybody's watching all three hours, but much of the show is rehashing what's already happened, as opposed to letting it flow through the show and let that storyline go through the show. And you've got so much talent on the roster. I, I, I mean, everybody has said it. The WWE roster is as deep as it's ever been. Yeah. But they don't use everybody. Yeah. You know? Some of these people are disappearing on a WWE main event. And, and those shows that... It who, kill, who's it, watching? It
3: kills me, too, with this 24-7 championship. You know, you see... Uh, eric young out there who would be fine i think is your 24 7 champion or whatever but there's a lot you could do with that guy untapped potential the club like what the wtf my friends what is the club doing (laughs) at the 24 7 title picture right here they're going to team up with aj styles and they go to japan here pretty soon and they're going to sell tickets you know
9: (laughs) yeah and uh, you know the back to that 24 7 discussion i like the premise of it where it's defended on all the shows because it could make you know 205 live a little more relevant you know we're you know somebody from the main roster goes and fights somebody on 205 live i like that part of the 24 7 thing the as i said on the podcast this past week what I saw on the shows this week was reminiscent of a Benny Hill routine. All they needed was the music, because they were chasing the belt around, and that's what it was like.
7: Well, that and the title's just ugly, too, so that doesn't help it either. Yeah.
3: What are you talking about? They took a, they took apart a jukebox, and they made that thing. Yeah. It looks great. Ms. McMahon. I felt so
7: bad for Mick Foley. I mean, <laughs> when he when he unveiled the championship, I don't know if he even
8: expected the response that he got. <laughs> well, he was put they in made it out situation. to be a big deal, which I think was a problem. When that's you're true. Making a joke, High expectations. Yeah. A joke was a punchline, and he's out there. You have a legend. You, you're bringing Ric Flair out, and then he's like, you know, I'm, I'm bailing this joke belt. <laughs> uh, you, no one could pull it off. Well, Glenn, you seem the most optimistic of the
3: 24-7 championship of anybody on this stage.
0: Because if you look on social media, R-Truth is doing these segments, uh, doing these vignettes. He's keeping it going. I think if creative lets the talent keep this going throughout the week, um, I think it's going to give fans something to follow. It's going to give it an ongoing storyline. And it's going to allow people like R-Truth, uh, talent that's not being utilized in television week in and week out, it's going to give them something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if USA Network's behind it, maybe that helps them a little bit with the, their stock in the company.
8: And we, we talked about this on, yeah. on Monday, where if they allowed them to get really creative and you have the table for threes, or, yeah. you know, like someone it on, popping in, yeah, you know, cashing in on a table for three, that'd yeah. be hilarious.
0: Yeah, they, there's a lot of potential for it. I think anything that puts more of the power in the hands of the the wrestlers and out of Vince McMahon's hands <laughs> is a good thing.
3: Well, but and, and yes, I agree with that. And I was directly going to ask you earlier and I we moved past it, but I was going to ask you if you thought Vince himself was the problem. I think you just oh, I
0: think we all agree Vince McMahon is the biggest problem in the wrestling industry right well, now with Creative. Oh. With creatively. With oh, creative. I don't know.
6: Is Vince McMahon?
3: Kelsey, what do you think is Vince the problem?
6: Creatively? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
8: It's a treadmill right now. He, you're just kind of running in, in place. There's not Storyline-wise, there's not much progression. Uh, Character-wise, you're not seeing these larger-than-life stars emerging, and I think that's all Vince McMahon. It's
7: going to be interesting to see uh, what happens when uh, the Fox move or SmackDown and what they're asking for or what they're expecting, because... You know, there's this show on Fox called Paradise Hotel, and they were promoting it and promoting it, and it's right. done horrible in the ratings. And they immediately yeah, just— If you don't like, it. can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine how if yeah, the, yeah, the if ratings like are, it, you'll, you'll are get people, ba- people tune yeah, in, yeah, but if the ratings are low for the first couple weeks. What's going to happen to
2: SmackDown?
0: Right. You know what they should do? Remember, like a couple seasons ago, like some of the Game of Thrones writers like wrote an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, bring in the creative team from any other show on TV. <laughs> and just let them take over WWE for a month.
8: Vince won't allow it. I know, that's but the, it would fix all...
0: But maybe Fox or someone has pull. Maybe there'll be something uh, that can uh, loosen things up a little bit. <laughs> well, let's,
3: talk, let's talk real quick, shift gears. We're going to go out to the audience here in just a second and ask you guys for some questions. So feel free to percolate your thoughts or, or opinions. But AEW is not faultless either, I feel like, right now, and the lead-up to, to Double or Nothing, right? I mean, there's been a couple missteps here. Um, who do you think would be the best possible first AEW champion that the fans would embrace and get behind.
7: Kenny Omega, Easy. You think
3: Omega? Kelsey?
6: Omega would be good. I mean, I really want to I want to see Hangman. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean that's really far away from happening, but yeah, Omega. Omega, you can't go wrong with Omega. Best wrestler on the planet, really. I mean, honestly, yeah. and it's I'm really looking forward to the Bucks I mean, he's match. working with Jericho. So. He's going
7: to get that rub, that mainstream rub, or that you know, people know who Chris Jericho is. So if they see him working with him, and Jericho's very good about work, you know, putting over talent when he knows that it's going to be a means to an end. So yeah. if that happens with Kenny Omega, I think that would be a star-making performance.
9: There. And look, that brought some more eyeballs to when they they wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yes, because it did. I think there were a lot of people who had never watched New Japan but heard. Chris Jericho is going to be wrestling over there and I I thought that really was a, a big part of getting some people to watch New Japan and so I agree I think having Jericho in this but I think Kenny Omega winning it would be the best scenario. I mean, sure.
6: if you listen to Jericho's latest podcast, I just listened to it. He is so complimentary of mm-hmm. Kenny Omega, of working with Omega. He he puts him alongside of like people like Shawn Michaels, people who he had chemistry with right away in their first, first you know match, yeah. their first match exactly. So Jericho is really behind this whole venture. Uh, he's really bought in and I mean I I think he has no problem putting over Omega, although I don't know if that's necessarily gonna happen but I could I could the well, one thing version. I w-
7: did notice when they were talking yesterday with NBA the playoffs and then promoting aew it gets me thinking back to WCW days and I'm like remembering like when did they really go out of their way on TNT and you know to promote Nitro That
3: was so weird i would never seen anything and like that a, and,
7: their, yeah. and their whole social media account when the announcement was made was all aew and it's like wow they're
3: they have they have also bought in I think I, I kind of get the vibe because of the flames and stuff but I know I'm crazy <laughs> I know For but sure. don't you think that it's like, do you think it's out of the out of the question. <laughs> they go Monday nights head to head. Like, no. I, I know Tony Khan said he wouldn't, but like not that right away. maybe the, when they see the how the ratings I don't do. Think to, I don't
8: think Tony Khan has that killer instinct. Like, I, it's I don't not think he a, has that. <laughs> but
3: I go back. To, I did this interview. Who was it? This interview. DDP. I interviewed like a week or so ago, and he was quick to point out. You know, when WCW went up against WWF originally on Monday nights, everybody was like, they're going to split the ratings. What happened? Right. Everybody's ratings went up. Right? Who fucked it up? Bischoff, right, and like, so I, you know, I, I think that the idea that going head-to-head is somehow counterintuitive historically doesn't play out. I think
8: historically going head-to-head has traditionally raised business for everybody in the pro wrestling game. We have the one... Uh The one example, but I agree. I I think, I just don't think Tony Khan's that much of an asshole like Eric Bischoff. But he's not an asshole. It's like Bischoff
3: did it because he's an asshole. You do it now because you're trying to help the business. and I think it would be something to help. It wasn't the same with TNA when they went head-to-head on Monday nights. That was three weeks and done, and it was poorly executed, poorly promoted. They spent all the money on talent, no money on publicity. They were literally telling the talent backstage to tweet out Advertisements. That was legit. I've heard from many people that worked there at the time, the extent of what that production was like. I don't really consider the TNA WWE head-to-head the same as what we saw from, you know, obviously the Monday Night War. But
9: I actually think they should go head-to-head eventually, but I think you just said it, They or maybe you did, they've got to lay the groundwork first on right. another night. Yeah. Because, look, as much as we love the Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega and, and all these guys in AEW, it's still a core audience of them, I can't tell you how many... Uh, I'm on radio every now and then doing a wrestling segment back in New Orleans, and I try to get the guy to talk anything but WWE once in a while, and he won't have any of yeah. it. And I think that's a... You've still got a mainstream audience that thinks TV is only
8: WWE.
7: Well, so and that's, that's why I think you got to lay the groundwork. I think that's, that's actually why I think
8: Chris Jericho should win. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think, yeah, I, I, I think no one knows who Kenny Omega is outside of wrestling fans. Jericho, you got other fans. And so if you're doing MJ... Uh, I mean, who else? Uh, If you're doing Cody Rhodes versus Jericho, uh, that means more to mainstream fans than Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega.
9: And then maybe they see
8: the young bucks or Kenny Omega and go, "Oh my God, these guys are great."
3: Yeah, yeah, it would make sense too with Jericho. I mean, he was like the big first big elephant in the room at the
8: announcement, right? I mean, it, it would make it sense. A,
7: doesn't make it too obvious though that to see well, him well,
3: win the Obvious is okay in wrestling. I think Omega is well, obvious
8: right now. Actually, I think everyone's expecting Omega to win.
0: Well, and remember, they've got another event coming up before they launch on TV. So I think Jericho could maybe take it there. Maybe have Hangman Chase when they start the T V yeah. program each good week. Point. I think that would be a good way to get people in, have Jericho as a villain. Um, you know, I think that would be a solid television. So
3: who so who else are the names that would draw people in outside of a Jericho? You know, we talk about their the roster and you say it's like, yeah, a lot of these names are not mainstream. They're they're attached to the hardcore fans. You know, we got John Moxley out there. I don't think Mox is gonna be there tomorrow night. Would love to be wrong. <laughs> but it does sound like that he's off doing other things and would like to keep the cone of silence on himself at the moment. CM Punk is what, Coachella? Is yeah, it's going to be MMA. But it's in Coachella, right? right? It's like right. Coachella, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the not the concert, right? But he'll be in <laughs> Coachella, California. He's supporting a purse.
8: Right. Yeah, so it doesn't look like Punk will be there. Ziggler's now embroiled in the oh, top feud on our. Moxley 100%. could, but if you're going to have Moxley, wouldn't you announce that ahead of time? You're you're this isn't a WWE. Net- this isn't a WWE <laughs> Network thing. This is you're you're working on pay per view buys. You want to get as many people to Maybe buy. Maybe wait event. till
7: the first episode of the TV. just like Lex Luger showing up right. on Nitro. So,
8: so, so they don't have like if you have Moxley him. for Saturday is what I'm saying. If you have Dean Ambrose for Saturday, I think you would announce that ahead of time.
0: I think after what happened with Pac, I think Moxley would really reset fan uh, excitement.
6: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100% with that. I think
8: they got a big – it was a big big If if I
0: were Tony Khan, I mean – you know, million dollars, whatever it takes, right? Just like back up a Brinks truck to his house and get him to appear there. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, it's gotta be weird too because, like, yeah, you know, we talk about this like if we're back at WCW where it's like Ted Turner's open checkbook, but I hear at the same time Cody and the Bucks are like, no, we have financial experts that are telling us we can't, we can't <laughs> yeah, do it things. It work out so hot before. Yeah, yeah, they're like, no, we would prefer not to burn through four hundred yeah. million dollars or whatever it <laughs> right, is a they good got. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, it's like if you give you know Mox a million-dollar payoff, that's one four-hundredth of your entire budget is just yeah. gone, you know? So, uh, I don't know. And I was I was uh, very upset that they put Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears on the pre-show. Yeah, that was yeah. weird. Yeah,
7: just matter-of-factly. It's like... It's so know. weird. By the way,
8: yeah. Ty Dillinger.
7: I almost preferred them not announcing him and making him a surprise. Yes! Because then it would matter. Yeah, I think would that have, have mattered been, because more, it, I thought.
8: The way they did it, it adds nothing to the pay-per-view buys, right?
3: Yeah, because I mean Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, like, okay, at the time it wasn't anything that hot, but all of a sudden he shows up at the front row at Nitro, and I'm like, what is
8: Million Dollar Man Ted right. DiBiase doing here, you know? There's a buzz. Yeah, there's a little buzz to it.
3: <laughs> uh, all right, well, I did promise you guys we were going to ask questions. Does anybody out there have a question? They Okay, here, I'll walk over to you as I make my way over here. hi yeah High spot. Okay, uh, what is your name? Reed. Reed. Every say, hi Reed. hi, Reed. Hi, Reed. Hi, Reed. Thank you to the new guys. All right, Reed. Sorry, I'll let the I'll let the buzzing go down. Reed, what is your question here for the wrestling in Kootenanny? Well, it was gonna be about surprises.
0: Who else do you think would show up? The only th- person I can think of uh, that comes to mind besides Moxley and, and Punk was Jake Hager. I don't know if that's possible. Oh Swagger. Oh, there you go. Okay, Jack Swagger. You guys sure. think
8: he'd be a, a mover? Yeah, I mean I don't think he's a mover. I I, I can see him showing up. Addition, yeah.
7: I mean and then sure. it's a good partnership with Bellator. That's an additional publicity. If you heard
8: Jack Swagger was gonna be there, would that change your mind? Change your mind about what? Like the, you, to buy you, the pay-per-view.
9: Make
8: you buy the pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> spend $50. It, if you're it, like on the probably, fence,
0: you're like, no, oh, it, Jack
2: Swagger. No, it probably wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it
0: probably wouldn't. Like I, he was actually really good in, in Lucha Underground. I liked him a right. lot in Lucha Underground. It was really good. Yeah. Um, and he's
2: doing MMA stuff now. So
8: I, but. I honestly believe there's only two guys right now that are out there. It's Dean Ambrose and CM Punk that really make a difference. That will really get people talking. I mean Punk. Brock Lesnar Yeah, that would be
6: world-ending
8: – Right. I mean, that World would be. World ending. I mean, seriously, seriously. Like,
6: think about it for a second. It People would be like, Thanos. Oh but out,
8: outside of those, I, I just don't see anyone moving the uh, interest.
4: No,
9: I, anybody I else? They, I think they've got to steal somebody big from WWE. Yeah. If I, that's what Nitro, you yeah. know? Like, I mean, I know you don't, like you said, you don't want to blow the budget, but steal somebody and. and, and if
8: you took Undertaker.
9: Even <laughs> oh, though he, he can't can wrestle. Continue, yeah. But
8: that name would just create right. headlines You're everywhere. still a
9: name that is I
7: mean,
8: what
9: about I mean, Kurt
7: Angle would have been good. Like Just yeah. the way that they gave him his send-off, I mean, right. just I was angry for him. So just <laughs> having him go in AEW and having him finish but out his career there would have been Nick good.
3: Nick talked
8: to Kurt recently. He's yeah. a five-year contract now.
3: Yeah, well, uh, Reed had one other name here that he brought up. Uh, you want to throw that out there real quick? Yeah, I said Leo Rush because I saw he... <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> uh, well,
0: I saw that he's supposed to be with uh, showing up for an independent event coming up soon, so I don't know what's going on with that.
3: I also don't know what's going on with he, that. He is under
8: contract with WWE, so. I thought I saw something.
0: Yeah, he's doing I like a I Maryland saw something
7: earlier. He was going to show up for another promotion, yeah, like Maryland soon. Championship Wrestling or something like that.
3: But so I think
8: WWE it's... does work with Maryland Championship yeah, Wrestling so. a lot. They well, do...
3: he's an independent contractor. He can do whatever <laughs> he likes, guys. <laughs> obviously, right? right. Anybody <laughs> else? Questions? Anything you want to ask about? Yeah, shoot over here. Let's go over this way. What's your name? Sean. Everybody say hi, Sean. Hi, Sean.
1: Sean. Sean,
3: welcome to the Hoot Nanny. What's your question? Talked a lot about surprises on the male side. Do you think Chris Cyborg could be a surprise, and do you think she would draw? Ooh. I love this question because this has been a very male-heavy question. Very male heavy, male heavy yeah, question. we haven't been yeah. talking about the women. And, yeah, what women I mean, they're would... starting
7: to build a women's division, and you know, if they're really serious about it, she would bring something different to the table that they have right now.
8: I think they did like old-school storytelling. And you had Cyborg showing up on WWE wanting to go after Rousey because Rousey avoided her in MMA. I think that'd be huge. And then you build up to that first match. I don't think Cyborg in AEW does anything. It's it's kind of a celebrity thing. But uh, I think Ajakon WWE could, <laughs>
6: Yeah, I mean, it, it would for do something. I mean,
8: something. But I think that that could be a huge storyline. Kelsey,
3: I'll throw it to you. As the only female on the panel right now, is there any (laughs) female competitors out there that would move the needle for you if they launched AEW?
6: Well... It's hard because I, I've, been, I've been critical of WWE, but one thing I think they do wonderfully is their women's division is like the strongest women's division out there. I mean, you look at NXT stacked. Candice LeRae would have been, if she wouldn't have signed at exactly the wrong moment, I, I only have dreams of what it could have been like. Her and Joey wrestling for AEW, even just her by herself, I have confidence that they would have made her the first women's champion because the Bucks love her. You listen to any interview ever with the Bucks. people used to ask them over and over again who would be the one female you would add to Bullet Club one second they would answer Candace LeRae I love her I wish she was available because I'd love to see her in AEW but alas it's not to be (laughs) not yet anyway Uh,
3: another question Chuck you got a question of Chuck Carroll ladies and gentlemen everybody say hi Chuck hi Hi, Chuck. Chuck hi everybody Chuck used to weigh like 400 pounds, by the way. Look at this man. 420, don't shorten. 420? I was that high last night. Heck! <laughs> <laughs> also, true story, I bought this man a beer at Madison Square Garden. He wouldn't sell it to me because my ID was expired. <laughs> I mean, show of hands, does he look like he's under 21? No? All right. I shaved today. Thanks, Chuck. Uh,
0: anyway. No, I'm saying you look old. Hey, he looks young. <laughs> Young-looking looking man.
3: All right, anyway, I don't want to tell myself. We we're short on time. Here, ahead, yes. What
0: fucking kid's going to wear that shirt anyway? <laughs> All
3: right,
0: so uh, here's my question. So AEW going live uh, in the fall, they say that they're not going to do a studio broadcast, which means they will be touring. Right. What kind of fans can you expect? What kind of numbers can you expect I, to draw week in and week out? Because you're not going to get this week
4: in and week out. you got to run right. small arenas, in my mm-hmm. opinion.
8: As like, we, like we, like and, and, Chuck, we've talked about this before. We see, like, wrestling fans will show up when there's something new. They they buy it in droves. Like, they will show up. A weekly thing, I'm with you. I, don't, I just don't see it.
9: Well, and my other concern there, too, is not just that. I also have said before, I – I still don't think their roster is deep enough and compelling enough for weekly television yet. And I, I know we're a ways off from that, but I, I'm, is there enough talent right now that you're going every week? Okay, this is... Let, this me, let me ask you
8: this. What What's a stronger card? Double or nothing or all-in? Well, like, if you really look at the card...
9: Yeah, I, I said, I, as much as I'm excited about this weekend, I was far more excited about all-in. Me all too. there me so, too. So, and yeah. part of it was, and she said it on the podcast, because of the Ring of Honor partnership. Yeah. Well, that
7: was counts. also a first of its kind. Right now, but, we've but, but seen it before, so I think it's unfair to, to kind of judge it from, from but, that but, standpoint. how many matches could you say on this show? I think this one is more. Uh, this one feels more important, obviously, because it, it, it's the first show. But important. I think from a from a wrestling standpoint, I want to see the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, oh, yeah. and Jericho oh, and yes. <laughs> Kenny Omega, Cody and Dustin. We haven't talked about has built an amazing story yes. that's been already built in. So I'm looking forward to that match as well. So there yeah, are
8: that's three, right?
7: Can you name any other matches? <laughs> I mean, we yeah. have the Battle Royal coming up. It would have been, been Pac the, and Hangman. The, the, the best it, friend. Pac and, and hang man, uh, really added that. that would have been, been yeah. yeah, that was the another. triple threat I think looks good. And the yeah. one yeah. thing, and then the Which, women. Like, what was that?
0: The triple threat? The women's? Yeah. 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 Who's in
8: that again? I don't
3: know. It's Britt
0: Baker, Hailey, Kylie, Kylie Rose. Kylie Ray, Kylie
8: Ray, Kylie Ray, Britt Baker and Nyla Rose, I believe.
9: Well, I'll ask everybody here this, and you guys can pipe in too. 60 bucks for this pay-per-view. Ooh. I
8: think it
9: was 50. I think it's 49.95. Oh, 49.95. It's a lot.
8: I, you, I you think, think some Ra- places we- have a 60 for HD, so you gotta, yeah. bump oh, up it's, 10 oh bucks. it's more. Oh, yeah. okay, Raj,
9: great. you just said three matches. Are you paying 60 bucks for three matches? I would, but that's I yeah. would too. I, yeah, I we, wrestling we're hardcore, <laughs> yeah, and but we can all casual, write Ra- it off. No. But is the casual,
8: I know it's a business <laughs> if the- it wasn't.
0: Yeah, seriously, wrestling fans, start a podcast or a wrestling site on your own so you can take tax deductions for everything you spend. <laughs> True, even the room
3: that you do your podcasting in counts as an office space, and you can write that <laughs> off on your taxes. Gotta- yeah. Truth. <laughs> but there's my point is,
9: as far as casual fans, going back to what I was saying earlier, you're not going to steal the casual fans away with a $60 buy. You know, I, this was, That's like, we don't watch this was wrestling fans
8: are too adjusted to ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that was my yeah. yeah. big
9: problem with Impact. Right. We, we don't watch we it. We stopped anymore. watching because I'm like, I'm not bucks. paying forty bucks to watch yep. Impact, yeah. especially. Because yeah, wrestle, WrestleMania time, you can watch for question free. Well, with yeah. this
7: when you look at the UFC, they build a card based on like two or three top matches, and they're selling it for sixty dollars
8: too. Right.
2: So sure.
0: And those
8: are, have been dropping big time. Like now they're only now, buying Conor McGregor and like the big stars.
0: It's right. funny too. I mean, with the Ty Dillinger or Sean Spears stuff, if they hadn't announced that, since that Battle Royal is on the pre-show and free, if he would have shown up as a surprise, I think that would have got people to think, oh my God, who else is going to show up? To? Yeah, I have think to the that's a bigger deal
8: here. as a surprise than announcing it as a nothing yeah 100
2: 100
3: uh anyone else questions anybody else want to throw something out there we can uh dive back into to some more discourse two hands <laughs> i'm sorry you're related to one of the panelists so i'm going to go over here <laughs>
8: <laughs> how good do i look
3: Reed, right <laughs> yeah. Reed, what is your what's your next question i was just wondering do you, do we also
0: know what status is for joey ryan
8: uh, oh, great question yeah joey has an indie booking tomorrow right S- so I nick and i ta- it. nick and i talked about this uh he has an indie booking, but that's not like they could easily pay, pay it off, you know, and, and have him there. But is Joey Ryan, like, is that enough for, you know, I mean, Joey Ryan's a, a big character. I'm a big fan, but is that uh, enough I, I, for Pac? I think for AEW because they did the Penis Druids
3: last time with him and him and Paige, right? I mean, you're talking about stories and storytelling. There you go. Yeah, I love I mean, got to continue does the story. That's fit. I just, by the way, looking over my shoulder, I just go Penis Druids, and four dudes go,
2: "Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that Penis was Druids, Penis All right. Druids." No, he's
0: good, but I don't think he's going to expand the fan base beyond people that are already paying attention to AEW. Yeah. All right, that's well, true. on that note of
3: penis druids,
2: <laughs> Rajkiri's wife! Uh, <laughs> no.
3: What's your name? Oh Anjali. Anjali, everybody say hi Anjali. hi, Anjali. Hi, Anjali. Anjali, what is your question?
7: My question is in the history of wrestling, this is a very, probably a question you guys get all the time, but I, I want to know. So, in the history of wrestling, who is your all time favorite star and why? Oh, God,
2: that's hard. <laughs> that's Tough easy one for me. Tough one.
8: Macho Man Randy Savage for me you will you will never see someone and be like oh that guy reminds me of macho man rainy savage he was a -a one-of-a-kind personality no one is like him everyone can impersonate him but he was just so one of a kind and uh all your senses burst when you would see him he's got elizabeth and the colors and the graduation song coming out (laughs) and it's you just it's just everything it was he was awesome
6: yeah i think uh all time. I mean, wrestling-wise, Kurt Angle, but character-wise, Stone Cold, of course. I mean, I feel kind of cheap saying it. Like, that's a typical answer. But I mean, it's true. I mean, it's a classic thing. They've tried to replicate it so many times. It's not as good as the original time. But would there have been a Stone Cold without the Vince, you know, the foil? I don't know if he could have just been like that on his own, without a foil. So to me, maybe it's a cheap answer, but he's great. Come on. Uh, If we're talking about current, I'd have a hard time answering, but I'm a really big fan of... uh, I really love the Young Bucks, but Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki right now, all-time favorite, great character, great entrance, great wrestling, (laughs) and he's the same age as The Undertaker, or no, I think he's around the same ballpark as The Undertaker, but it's crazy the difference in the way they move around and wrestle. I'll
3: tell you something, you'll probably enjoy, you like Suzuki, right? Oh, I love Suzuki. So I went to Bloodsport, GCW's Bloodsport, WrestleMania weekend, anybody watch that show?
6: have to go back and rent yes. it.
3: one woman no I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about Blood you. sports. yeah no ropes anyway well I got there and my friend was there and I long, make long story short I wound up sitting in the balcony with Dean Ambrose watching the show we didn't get to talk much wrestling I was explicitly told do not bring up wrestling with him <laughs> um, But um, I, I did ask him what brought him to the show and he said Suzuki he said, oh, "I love cool. Suzuki." And Suzuki was in the main event. Isn't that cool? Who to hear? doesn't
6: love him? He's loving the best. Like you guys don't even know he's and what, the greatest. what?
3: can we learn from that comment? Right? Is Moxley going to New Japan now? Think about it, people. Think about it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Everything means something. <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul, you didn't answer either. We'll give you. Um, we'll go it, this.
9: It, it, it's funny he brought up Macho Man, and and the first person I really was captivated by. Obviously, I was drawn in by the Hulk Hogan, '80s. You know that got me watching, but. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was my first favorite wrestler. I thought he he wasn't the big galoot, you know, that the other guys were. He was athletic. He could move around. So he was the first guy I I really just was like, man, this guy is amazing. Uh, again, I feel cheap. Stone Cold still. I mean, the Attitude Era of Stone Cold is still to me the funniest, best time in wrestling because he
0: was just so awesome and so funny. Glenn. Uh, I mean, as a kid, Piper was what really got me into it. I think just, you know, as far as promos and personalities, he's someone that I always just found so captivating to watch anything that he ever did. And, uh, I mean, aside from that, I think, you know, Brett definitely uh, in the 90s was probably my favorite wrestler week in and week out. And then more recently, I mean, in my household, the reason why I get to do a wrestling podcast and watch Uh, uh, five hours of WWE every week is because my wife loves Becky Lynch and if uh, not for her and my wife sign off I don't think uh, we would be able to have a wrestling household and do as much uh, as we do following this.
7: Scott um, I think you know, beyond those obvious names for me uh, during the high school years was edge for me because I when he had the brood going on and that music and uh, just the overall aura that he brought the mystery and then you see the work rate and the way that he can he can be serious and he could be funny and funny and the people you know would respond no matter what kind of character transition and evolution that he took same for Chris Jericho who's another one that I look at who we're seeing at you know double or nothing just the way he, I always call him like he's the chameleon of wrestling yeah. because he's always changing he's always looking for new ways to stay current and relevant and he does it successfully seamlessly because of it
3: yeah. i'm always a mick foley guy i mean i just thought the diversity of you know his ability to play different characters the amount of moments that he had you know i don't think anybody will ever forget hell in a cell right i mean undertaker i guess would have to be up there as far as like uh, a length or multiple amounts of matches you could probably remember a name uh so i've always been a mick foley guy um, all right. Well, I just checked the clock. We are short on time, so I I really wanted to play a game as part of the hoot and nanny. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears here a little bit and play a game. Do you guys want to you guys want to see a game? Okay. So my favorite improv game is a game called movie pitch. And so what we're gonna do, who wants to play? Glenn, you want to play movie pitch? Sure. Okay. Everybody's gonna play. All skate. Everybody's gonna get thirty seconds. Okay. I'm gonna go to the crowd. Kelsey, you don't have to play if you don't want. I
9: don't know. Okay, don't well them. we'll
3: let them go, <laughs> Come and then back you could you could decide. I see it play out. Okay. Oh no, Scott, you're playing. You're playing, Scott. Kelsey, we'll give her a pass. You, you're in. Okay. Um, the way this game's gonna work is I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys for a superstar, right? And then I'm gonna ask you for a movie genre, and then the person is gonna have 30 seconds to give us that pitch for what that WWE Studios movie
2: <laughs> looks
3: like. Are you all ready for this? Okay, I see everybody's already laughing. This is why I love this game because it's fucking awesome. Uh, who? Uh, give me your favorite WWE superstar. Alicia Fox. Come
8: oh, everyone's on. favorite, Alicia Fox.
3: Okay, great. And I need that. I need a genre, a movie style genre. Horror. Horror. Well, not from you. You're on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> what? Horror. Okay. Well, great. Your wife chimed in with the same thing. All right. Glenn, you have 30 seconds to give us your best Alicia Fox horror movie pitch. And... Go. Well that's easy.
0: I mean I know they already remade it, but I think they need to redo Fatal Attraction okay. with Alicia Fox. Uh and maybe let's let's change it up and go like really, really outside the box. Let's have like Finn Balor as the male lead. Okay. You know, and, and Finn, you know, he's uh gets involved with Alicia Fox and it's good at his passion and then you know, of course he uh, tries to break things off with her and then Alicia Fox goes fucking nuts. And that's the entire third act of the movie. It's just Alicia Fox losing it on
8: screen. And, and you see her just stabbing the yeah, shit okay. out of the rabbit. She's not
0: killing his rabbit. I mean, she's killing the cats, dogs, everything. Okay. She's being savage with it, and I think tour de force, her career could really use that shot in the arm right now.
3: Oh man, that was almost exactly 30 seconds. Give it up for Glenn. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. All right, Scott, it's your turn. I'm very excited about this. Give me another superstar. Who, oh, wait, what? Otis. Otis. Otis, oh. Otis of heavy machinery. Okay, not horror. Wow. Give me another movie genre or or storyline. Rom-com. Okay, we. Uh, your that was from your wife, by the way. Um, give us your Otis of heavy machinery rom-com thirty-second pitch, Scott.
7: All right. So Otis is on a boat. He's he's a uh, he's he's been away for a long time. He's like a seaman. So basically, what? <laughs> he meets this he meets this. Uh, he meets this girl and uh, <laughs> he falls in love with her. And <laughs> oh my god! <gosh. laughs> <laughs> and um, and then this iceberg comes. And then <laughs> he's on the. She's on the boat too. I'm trying to trying to think of a. Sure. Who who can we put in this movie that to be. Yeah. yeah, Alexa Bliss. Okay, okay. so she co- She's she ends up on the boat because uh, sh- she was going to a, a conference um, for a dis. You know, for Disney. I'm sorry, she was on a Disney. Okay, let's do it. She's on a Disney We're cruise. Way over the 30 seconds. On- wow. I have to hear okay, this. Keep so going. she's on a Disney cruise, and and she she and then they find Otis, you know, in the water. So she it's late at night. She picks him up, and they. <laughs> they they meet each other and they fall in love. I'm going with the Disney cruise because it relates to her being a Disney fan. So. Okay, great.
3: There's that one. All right, now keep all of these. Yeah, give a round of applause. We're, keep these in mind because we're gonna pick a winner here of your favorite movie. We're gonna Raj here now. Uh, another superstar, Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle oh, great yeah. one. And yes. another movie genre, yeah. buddy, cop. <laughs> buddy cop. I love buddy cop. Raj, you've got 30 seconds here to give me your best, Matt Riddle. Buddy
8: cop, movie pitch. All right, go. Danny Glover is looking for a criminal, and there's this big pot, uh, whatever. And Matt Riddle (laughs) is this, uh, you know, drug dealer, pot dealer on the street, and so he goes (laughs) to Matt Riddle and has to work with Matt Riddle for 24 hours. He gets Matt Riddle out of prison for 24 hours, and they have 24 hours to solve the mystery of who killed... That's all I got. Well, wow, that was honestly though.
3: Raj was the only one who played by the rules because that was actually thirty seconds. So good on Raj. All right, and we're gonna give Kelsey and Paul. You guys could do this one together all right. since you guys are a team. So we're gonna see how you guys gel. All right. We're gonna—it's like a tandem here of a movie pitch. Last one here. Give me another superstar. The right. Velveteen Dream. Give me a movie genre we haven't used yet. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. All right, Kelsey, Paul. Give us your Velveteen Dream. Paul's going, Kelsey, all you. <laughs> <Yeah>. Velveteen <laughs> Dream. Because I had great ones for the, <laughs> their suggestions. Uh,
6: all <laughs> I can think of is like a like uh, first contact with Velveteen Dream. <laughs> Maybe Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm a big fan. Something like that. Uh, maybe, maybe he could be like Picard. He was once almost turned into a Borg, and then so, so he's really all extravagant, going around the ship, <laughs> trying to figure out how to dismantle dismantle the Borg. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. All, all right. I know is Star Trek. Velveteen well, I'll Dream. go the
9: opposite way. I'll say <laughs> I'll say that Velveteen Dream is discovered on a new planet. This strange, like weird that. dude <laughs> who's enamored with himself, and Captain Kirk is like. Who is this? Captain Picard. Well, let's I know. Come on, well, I, I said I'm going the different direction. Oh, you whatever. you like the second one. <laughs> All right. Uh, they find Velveteen Dream on a, on a plant. They don't know what to make of him. He's trying to get Captain Kirk to wear little cut off shirts and stuff. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and he tries to seduce Ahura. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Maybe. There we go.
3: All <laughs> right. All great ideas. Uh, so let's go down the line here. First, who enjoyed Glenn's movie pitch the most? Who enjoyed Scott's the most? Nobody. I I you didn't didn't like Otis. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want your pity. Otis is Titanic. Who enjoyed Raj's pitch the most? Matt Riddle, drug dealer, twenty-four. And lastly, here Two Face, Velveteen Dream, some kind of Star Trek version. Well, Glenn Rubenstein, you have won our WWE Studios pitch. Congratulations. Uh, We have a couple prizes. Reed was such a great uh, audience member here. He asked the most questions. Can you reach under there and give me me the big book? (laughs) Reed, you have won this. I was given this in the WrestleMania 36. Was it 36 or 35. 35? 35. This is the official program for WrestleMania 35. You can come take this. It has the program for the show, and it has the entire program for the Hall of Fame as well. Thank, thank you for coming out and participating. Thanks. For and it. then uh, we just have a bunch of shirts. We have a
8: bunch of shirts. We have a
3: bunch of shirts. So everybody else, if you, if you came out, you participated, you want to get a Wrestling Inc. shirt, we'd love for you guys to walk. Right? Are we going to them? or are we just going to give it to them? We're him. just going to give it to you. <laughs> so if you want a shirt, come over. Uh, we have a, uh, this bag right here filled with Wrestling Inc. shirts. Come grab one for yourself. Wear it out. Uh, that is it for us here. Uh, successful Wrestling Inc. Hootenanny. Thank you all very much for coming out. Thank You're you wonderful. Thank we you love you. Support the site. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. What a show. Jam-packed. Michael Weisman, i got to thank you for uh, spending nearly an hour with me at the top of the show. I want to thank everybody who came out to the Wrestling Inc. Hootenanny during StarCast 2. I want to thank everybody who participated in the Wrestling Inc. Hootenanny at StarCast 2. If you guys want to support the shite, site, head over to Wrestling Inc.'s Pro Wrestling T-Store. You can buy a classic logo shirt. You can buy, uh, You can buy our Jack Journalist T-shirt both available, 20 bucks. Throw them on. Tag me on Twitter when you're wearing it. I'll retweet it. I'll make sure the Wrestling Inc. account does as well. We'll show you a little social media love. Uh, if you like this show and you like all of Wrestling Inc.'s uh, podcast content, head over to Wrestling Inc. Audio on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. But if you go over to that iTunes page, five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciated. Helps Helps us keep alive on the iTunes charts and helps other fans find us and listen just like you are right now. Uh, tomorrow, tuning in, I'll have uh, back on the show Justin Labar my guest tomorrow on the show, I've got an interview with Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion Brian Cage, the Machine will be here on the show tomorrow, and we also have Triple A's Dorian Roldan on the show tomorrow talking about Triple A's big MSG show. So, we are just getting started this week, Michael. What a what an exciting week time for professional wrestling.
4: It's, it's awesome. And then next week you have a show in Saudi Arabia. Hashtag Saudi Arabia, WWE pay-per-view. Please use that. Um, so, yeah, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan well, right now. Takeovers
3: so. this weekend. You got Takeover this weekend, Super Showdown next weekend. You got Fight of the Fallen here uh, later in the month. You, you know, John Moxley's going to fight Juice Robinson here in about a week and a half over in Japan for one of their titles. What a time.
4: You remember just like just it just felt like a couple of years ago where there was just this lull in between pay-per-views. And I'm like, what do I do with myself in this time? Oh, look, I'll try to find some YouTube clips. Right. It's amazing that there is so much high quality wrestling and so diverse uh, shows happening right now.
3: And I, and I want to clarify here real fast because I did, you know, uh, uh, you know, again, I got some mixed signals here about Moxley. Here's how it was explained to me that the signals got mixed. And I was told I was never explicitly lied to. What happened was I originally was told this guy is leaving wwe this was from the get-go when the report stopped then i heard about a week and a half later uh this guy is staying and i guess what had happened is wwe had made moxley a gigantic offer and mm-hmm. at that point moxley i, I had told somebody uh, it would be financially irresponsible for me to not take this offer which led them to come back to me and say uh this guy is staying uh After that was said and done, I guess Moxley decided that even though it would be financially irresponsible for him to turn down that WWE deal, he did anyway. And uh, I never got the, he's definitely leaving WWE call uh, after he decided, I guess, to pull the trigger For a lot of obvious reasons So, for those wondering The timeline of where I was getting my, my conflicted <laughs> stories from That is that is explicitly how it was laid out to me And as soon as he was on AEW TV uh, People were quick to talk to me again And tell me exactly what is going on You know,
4: I'm just telling you, it's an inside job, man They're still offering him that big money contract in WWE If you go over there and sabotage the competition, right? We'll give you all this money, so.
3: Yeah, he was there. Mark Henry, sitting (laughs) WWE producer backstage at Double or Nothing. (laughs) Wild, it's uh, all
4: part of the long con here. Nick.
3: Long, long, world's strongest long con. Um, yeah. Michael, uh, what do you want to plug pro put over here before we wrap up the show today? Uh,
4: as always, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at the real Wiseman. Um, you can follow me on Instagram if you want to. Um, I don't know, just see selfies of whatever happens in my life. That is at Wiseman.ma. And in general, if you're ever in Winston, North Carolina, give me a holler. I'd love to share a beer with you.
3: Wonderful. And yes, I am Nick Hausman at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking in our coverage of Double or Nothing this. Week. we got a lot to get to here, guys. It's never been wilder in the Wild West of professional wrestling. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.
4: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working...